9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everyone, to Go Plug Yourself, episode 201. It's the post-Walter era, whatever that means. Um, big shout-out and thank you to our guests on our 201st episode. It's uh, We have Jordan from uh, Phenopolis and uh, Jason from Commotion Theatre. Uh, and stepping in as co-host on this episode is none other than Lully Korber. Um, just wanted to shout out that uh, it is kind of getting to be that time of year again where we ask you to vote for uh, Cult Montreal, uh, Best of Montreal list. Uh, we're the best podcast in Montreal, so obviously um, you should vote for us as the best podcast in Montreal. And uh, also, I mean, I guess, yeah, support local uh, improv theater and and support local record stores because that's kind of what this episode is all about. Enjoy the show. So we're at a different recording location today, Lawrence. We're not at Grumpy's. No, we no. are at the very sexy Pelican Bar on Laurier West. Taverne Pelican. Is a, lot Pelican? Of, a lot of wood grain here. A lot it's of. It's really nice. It's got a real rec room vibe. Right? Yeah. Jason was saying it kind of looks like almost like a gentleman's club. There's a shark on the wall. There's a shark over on the wall. There. I was going less gentleman's club. I was thinking more like grandfather's basement, just like a lot of yeah. wood yeah. paneling. There's a legion feel. For gentleman's sure. oh, club fair, kind yeah. of implies like stripper, but that wasn't what I was going for. I mean, no. I meant like true like old cigar like let's, let's come here after work and talk about our stock performances. That's true. This <laughs> feels like you're kind of in the inside of a yacht right now. Yeah, too. there's a little nautical vibe. I was also <laughs> saying that in the bathroom they were playing old Expos baseball games. Huh. Like It sounded like a radio broadcast and then the, I heard the, like, the announcer talk about the Expos and I was like, that's not right. And then I heard a commercial for like a 1995 like Lincoln Mercury car and I was like, oh, this is a 30-year-old radio broadcast Amazing. or 25-year-old <laughs> radio broadcast that they're playing in the bathroom. That's what I enjoy. It is a cool bar though. I would definitely come here. Yeah, so this is our, uh, I'm, I'm calling it, this is the Go Plug Yourself East venue. Oh, shit. We're yeah, do they it. know? John, no. Like, we should tell them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever, we just mentioned their name a bunch yeah. <laughs> on the air. It's fine. We usually record out of, uh, out of Grumpy's, we were, we were yeah. kind of mentioning. Yeah. Um, our guest today, Jordan from uh, Phonopolis, Phonopolis? Either or, yeah. Okay, I, I was <laughs> like, I've always said Phonopolis, but now I'm like, oh, maybe there's a preferred oh, did you guys time this uh pumpkin song there are you a big pumpkins fan oh yeah big, if so big time <laughs> if you're a big pumpkins fan then yes i'm especially fan of the later stuff where uh he's a big pumpkins fan yeah, yeah he's now channeling at full adams family vibes uh gary's a big fan too now that from cheap thrills because uh corgan came into the store oh, oh yeah. and was very chatty and nice that they reminisced I over what did, what, did, what, did, what did he buy you know? I, I Nothing. Don't I don't know. No, he <laughs> did buy some stuff. <laughs> generally, when generally when celebrities come into places, they do buy things. I feel yeah. like he's the kind of person who would go into record store just to see if they uh, carry his records, and then he like writes. I don't know, man. He's probably <laughs> all that just throwing yeah. a tantrum. There's not enough Smashing Pumpkins in here. <laughs> he's yeah. like losing his goddamn mind. Where's, where's the where? S section? Where's the Swan? 
You guys <laughs> just want <laughs> it to be reissued. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Be reissued. And that's and that's what he's looking for. He's like, yeah. you know, Smashing Pumpkins are all right, but what I'm here for, I want to see if you're still carrying Zwan. Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, yeah, a couple good jams. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say like, uh, what would you do if you're if you're a musician, you go into a record store, like, and you're like a famous musician? I'm gonna cut you off because we only introduced one of our two guests. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Fine, Jason. Well, let's, just, yeah. let's just try and fix it. Oh hey guys, sorry I'm late. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh wait. It's me, Jason. You've been hey, here the Jason. whole time. <laughs> uh, Jason Grimmer, everybody. Nice. From Grimmertown. From Grimmertown, yeah. Straight out of Grimmertown. Population fun. Yeah. <laughs> Population, yeah. <laughs> and fun. currently of the Commotion. The Commotion Theater, yes. Commotion created theater. with uh, my partners, Dimitri Kirez, mm-hmm. Saima Ahmed, and David Kaufman. Friend of the show, Dimitri. And uh, you just recently uh, got Kids High. That was here. What? We had that, we had a show. That's come show. again. Last week, this weekend, it's we legal had now. Our oh, first four yeah. shows, and <laughs> one of the shows was called Candy Jar, and in Candy Jar, six uh, improvisers take eat a chocolate, but only two of those have THC in them, and then they had to do a set. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So does the crowd know who has the THC in them? No, I w- only I know. I'm the host. Only I oh, know. There's also man. a medical expert, my friend who is a doctor, oh. who then starts looking at their eyes and stuff, trying to figure out who's high. And, and the doctor doesn't game. know either. No, he's not told either. So okay. he has to figure it out and give. And so I would stop and be like, "What would they be feeling at this moment?" Yeah. And then he'd be like, "Disassociation." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, basically, pie. just the yeah. doctor just opens up a bag of chips, and whoever bites <laughs> first, he's like, "You, you, done." We had, we had a couch over in the corner with snacks and a bowl. Oh, that nice. people could anytime they wanted to sit and this down. This is a license. They could. That's <laughs> so this funny. is a licensed doctor. The practicing doctor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> I'm glad it's a safe place. <laughs> you know, legally, you have to say fake doctor if, you, if they are fake. Legally, we'll cut it in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was the first weekend of this show. Our next one's next. Our next set of shows is next month. Yeah. D- is there? Um, does the like? There should be components where the audience, like when I guess when they're giving suggestions or whatever, where they pick who will do what. You know what I mean? Like if there, you know what I mean? If there's like a character suggestion, be like who should be it, and the audience would then. Like, be like, I'm trying to get the stone person, but maybe it's just the person who's happy. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure what the me- mechanism is. Is improv is. structured that way, where it's like, I want you to do this, and Usually I want you to no. do that? No, no, right? it's not. And I think <laughs> the reason we wouldn't, the reason we, we try to stick to just doing a good narrative is because there's already something in there that's going to fuck things up. Yeah, right. So basically, as soon as you start pre-planning anything in improv, the whole thing goes to hell. There's nothing right. you can do. Like, when we did precincts, there's beats we hit yeah. uh, at different parts of the show. That either mean we explain what just happened or it gives us a break, but we don't plan anything. Like, you can't. Then what's the balance you guys try and find between something that's set up, like what you call it a beat or something like a gag or or something that you know you're going to build to Mm -hmm. against just straight up, like, I'm going up there, I have no idea what's happening. Where's the balance before it starts to feel like this is less improv and this is... Well, well, first of all, the gag. There's no gag. So basically, what it would be, in Precinct, I come out on stage, I announce the show... And then I get, I sort of slyly get a suggestion from the audience just based on me being a police chief and going, hey, I'm visiting uh, Montreal. Where would I take my kids? Right. And then someone would give me that. And then I'd ask some questions or berate them. And then we would go back into it and we'd do the opening scene, which would be Andy, Dimitri, sort of getting to know each other, having coming up with their situations, all improvised. Then I would come in and come up with I, what I came up with from that suggestion. Uh, we got, you know, say they suggested, you know, water park. I'd be like, yeah, we got a murder at the water park. And right. I'd be like, talk about that. And then they would 
head to the space. So that's what it is. And then basically midway through, I call a press conference, which just means I'm like, summing up everything that's been created so far. Okay. Press conference. So that everyone can go, okay, I know everyone's on board, audience and improvisers, and then they go forward. But there's nothing. So this is like an old that. Greek play when you have the narrator come back and like move you from scene to scene within yeah. the context of. Yeah. Okay. I'm just there. I, a lot, well, it changed for me, my role, but that was my role. It was really just to come out and be like, here's where we are. Here's what you know what I mean, and make suggestions. But everything else is completely made up. We don't know how it's going to end or anything like that. Cool. Uh, yeah, so, you, so you have, I guess, like, yeah, you have you have a foundation. Yeah. You have no inside. It would be very. The thing about improv is it'd be very hard to just do a straight <laughs> hour thing without uh, having an idea where you're going. Right. Wait, I I I've seen it a couple times. Um, there are character names, right? That stay constant. What's your? Oh, we play the same characters. You guys play the same characters. Right? What's, oh, yeah. what's your chief's name uh, again? Bill Garber. Great, and I'm like a stepdad to six. <laughs> it's a solid police name. Yeah. Garber. It's like a, a commissioner, sergeant, cop. captain. Just a just a police chief, I guess. Yeah. Garber. Garber. Get in yeah. here. Yeah. The police chief has a and has I have another rank. So I have personality traits. I have a wife named Nancy, uh, a step yeah, and my stepchildren named after cops on TV shows, and then Andy plays. I forget his character and Dimitri both have their characters, and they generally. Andy's kind of more of a soft-hearted guy, and Dimitri's yeah. more of an action-adventure young cop kind Good of thing. Good cop, bad it. cop kind of well, thing. Well, kind of. Ex yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's then like we have guests playing extra people, so villains or people we in interview, things like that, different right. characters. That's so interesting. And It's a fun show. It's I guess really you have, fun. You, I guess you also, in that format, you can have people kind of flex in and out, so if you were talking about a guest, someone you're exciting to work with, you don't have to break up the narrative to include somebody and then have them step out. You could, well, no, no. So you could just be I, like, I, I completely you, lost him on the question. No, 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 but you could just be like, you can, you're the villain. You know, yeah. or you're oh, be another cop. Like. No, we would never, the guests wouldn't know what they're doing until they actually step on stage. Awesome. Okay. There's nothing, they they would know there's a murderer. Maybe they're going to play the murderer. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to yeah, play someone that's giving them clues. That. Maybe they're the person that works at the water park. You know, there's all these things they don't know. And, and I, I think I saw, I want to say, I saw it with D, when DJ was. Uh, oh, you saw Precinct. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, DJ. And, uh, like, she played multiple. Well, DJ is a special case. Well, yeah, exactly. But I like, came in going. So it was like, it, with, yeah. with with a talented improviser, you're not just going to have one role. She No, you can play as many roles exactly. as you Exactly. She, she kept yeah. popping in and out. Doing she did a really great one where she played, uh, she created this whole character of her and Alex Brown being, like, the Westmount cops. Nice. And how they were being treated better in Mile End. So the whole thing became with them was like, Hey, we're the Westmount cops. We get and they could move ahead of the big old line. Yeah, if they so came to Mile and we'd like piss us off and be like, "What?" And I was like, "Man, I want a spinoff of Westmount cops. Nice. It's great." Have you um, have you ever had any person who's an actual cop in the audience come up to you guys after and uh, berate, take you. issue with your per portrayals? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. How about you should you should you guys need to like I think you rebounded about like two twice. What times? Pretty soon you had rebounds, year, right? Like you. You should do try to try to get like be like, hey SPVM, we'll do a show for free for only cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, if I see cops in the street before a show, I invite them, or I'll give them like a thing. Yeah. No, but do a whole show just for cops. Be like, this is our perception of you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you start getting a lot of tickets after <laughs> shows just for cops, yeah. Yeah, exactly. not just for strippers anymore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Shows for cops. I appreciate because it's a very sensitive portrayal of what it must be like to work on a police force. It's very similar, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think precinct. Does, if yeah, it's, it's, if it's from everything I, I've seen and read about precinct, I think <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's very known true to, to life. Be exactly, yeah. that's it's it. It's, it's like more police academy and less 192. I think is what's happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like what the wire was to TV. This is to theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I feel like I have more experience in doing that for three years than some cop who just started this week. 
Oh, Fair point. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I've been through more. Those are you get more done. Bold probably, words. in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I'm like a veteran cop now. <laughs> improvised. If ever, if ever there's a crime scene, you should be like, don't worry. I've improvised my way through. <laughs> I've this improvised guy. as a police officer. You, you quite someone, and they'll be like, put a chalk around this body. Yeah. <laughs> just figure it out right now. <laughs> and they'll be like, hey, can you step up? I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you know exactly what to do? Yeah. Because <laughs> exactly. I have 500 different ways to handle this right now. <laughs> Listen, don't worry. This bit, this beginning part is not important. When when I get to the press conference and I wrap it all up, then we'll we'll figure out what's going on. Yeah, tune <laughs> in, guys. I'll figure this out for you. <laughs> exactly. Don't worry about handling the evidence or whatever. <laughs> at this point, it's at this point, it's all up in the air. At the press conference, that's when we really put things together. Until then, <laughs> it's barely even police work. So did how you? Oh, I was going to ask you if you uh, did. did uh, have you ever gotten Jordan up on stage in any capacity? Jordan is an improviser. Oh. Yeah, I was in improv for like a year and a bit. Uh, did some stuff with Jason, but uh, I don't know. For me, it's it's like a Come and go, kind of thing in my life. I think I'm on a improv sabbatical. I suppose that's <laughs> all I'm gonna do ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, and by by day, you you're a record store. Yeah, yeah. Owner, and a musician. Operator and musician. Yeah, I mean, like many people in Montreal, it's just kind of a got a lot of Jack different of things trades. to juggle, I guess, to make things work. But <laughs> and you were in, uh, well, not you. Record stores in general were in the news mm -hmm. uh, a couple months ago when you got guys got slapped with outrageous fines for you know. Being a store, yeah, basically, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased every time somebody says outrageous before the word fines. Cause, <laughs> uh, Wait, what's this? I've never heard of this. What really? Is this about? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Your fingers are far <laughs> away from the pulse of the community, sir. Yeah. <laughs> but you're serving a very important purpose in this podcast. Yeah, I'm dumb as fuck. I need the exposition <laughs> to be pointed at me. That's <laughs> well, Keith brings me out because he knows shit. I'm just like, I'm the simpleton. Hey. You have to explain things to. <laughs> Wait, did someone say lasers? What? <laughs> lasers. Well, if you go to. Uh, um, yeah, uh, basically back in April, uh, on record today, a bunch of the um, shops in the Mile End and adjacent to it were uh, visited by an inspector. He came and... Um, you guys ran longer hours on record store day, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, generally, uh, that day is just kind of a come what may easygoing laid back day where some people do in stores. Um, people are there to buy specialty Items and um, it's like know. free comic book day, but for records. Yeah, and I and okay. I guess like at its like uh, core, it's just a day to, I guess, appreciate um, what small independent uh, shops um, have for their clientele. And yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, we were visited by inspector. He told us we we weren't supposed to be open past five p.m. due to some law that we weren't even aware existed. Um, it's not I, like it was like a new store. Like, a lot no. of these places have been around forever. Yeah. Like. And especially, I, I guess, um, the day uh, that they came to visit um, has felt somewhat symbolic to the whole issue, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. just a question of, like, why uh, um, stores like ours are being yeah. um, targeted in these ways. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, since then, um, we've talked to the government. We've filed a lot of um, uh, formal complaints mm -hmm. with uh, the provincial and uh, municipal governments, um, a, lo a lot of uh, the owners at other stores have been uh, helping with this too. It's not, um, it it's it's three stores that have the fines, um, but a lot of stores are still at risk. Yeah. What do you uh, didn't Death of Vinyl get one? Uh, no, we actually found out that they didn't receive one, oh. which I, I, I was surprised. So very by. much targeted on Bernard. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So anyways, there's, there's just so a there lot of... Some there there's Unresolved the questions. Bernard who calls yeah. and is like, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. 
three record stores on there. So you'd have to have the knowledge of the record store, the law, because D&Q, the bookstore is right next to you. They don't have to close by that time. They didn't have to close at 5 o'clock on Saturday. But is this an obscure law that just affects record stores? Well, it's kind of vague because I think it applies to um, a business model within cities that uh, th some of these laws date back to the late 60s and 70s. Um, and when everything made sense. Yeah, and, and also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also Back when, when... you can smoke and drink at work. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> could uh, vending machines of cigarettes in every yeah, exactly. lobby. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, record stores back in the 70s were a different thing because that's where... That was the only way to actually uh, purchase music. Yeah. Whereas now we have uh, different streaming platforms and Amazon itself, which is actually... Um, record store's biggest competitions in some way. But um, sure. anyways, we're all... We're all uh, we, it, 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 it wouldn't take a lot for uh, these kinds of penalizations to become problems for small stores like us. So we're just trying to... Uh, anytime there's uh, resistance within uh, the provincial government with these things, we're, um, we're, we're hoping to actually work with them, but they've been pretty firm on wanting to maintain the fines... Um, For sure, yeah. yeah. Really? They yeah. won't get rid of the fines? D despite uh, the municipal government um, using Bill uh, 121 to their advantage um, in, in, in the sense that they're, they're actually going to allow uh, the record stores to stay open um, past five come fall. We haven't been told anything specific. But, but well, Valerie, yeah, Valerie Plant had that tweet yeah. that I thought it was actually earlier than that. Hang on. I'm gonna You're look, gonna it, look up. it up. I'm gonna look well, it up because well, I remember Keith, it. Well, Keith looks it up. <laughs> is it because that's baffling? Because other businesses have been staying open late forever. You have bars staying up until three. You have a department store staying open until nine. And a lot you of this art feels venues staying very open tourism yeah. thing, right? It's it feels like, well, it feels nebulous too because it also goes more into what constitutes a type of store or the definitions. Yeah. Meaning a place like uh, uh, Archambault um, uh, is designated as a library. And they can stay open till nine on weekends, I believe. Uh, it might be eight or nine, uh, but basically um, past five p.m. Uh, they also sell vinyl, too. Right. So, but not exclusively. So they're not exactly. As no, it's a great so. place to get a candle, though. <laughs> yeah, but what was the? But what's the wording in the law? That what's the logic? Because all the laws are based on the impact they're going to have on something, or to prevent something negative from happening. Contextually. Yeah. Well, I so what's, what's, what's the idea? Workers. I would imagine it has something to do with working late. But well, if you're well, working again, at a bar, if you're working at a retail store, if you're but working the other at a thing is, sale. and this is what I was trying to bring up, is the whole uh, tourism aspect of it, right? Because the, don't mm. they, isn't it if it's a place designated as a place uh, where like um, a touristic tourists would be, then they can stay open later. Am I incorrect in saying that? Uh, yes, but when we were talking with uh, Richard Ryan, our, the municipal councillor of um, our area, uh, Project Morial very much didn't want to... Um, uh, Appeal on that um, angle okay. because of I guess what places that get um, designated as two areas. What you know, uh, especially in the last ten years, if you look yeah. at things like Airbnb and just yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. It, it'll increase real estate speculation right. essentially. So, there's, so there's like a, a good right. but Valerie Plant incidentally said spring. Sorry, Valerie Plant said spring. Yeah, she said spring for what? In January 28th, she said. As of this spring, the city of Montreal is extending the opening hours for record stores. Yeah. Well, there you go. Keep that tweet. Well, I'm just saying. Be um, like, yo. Which is, which is interesting because we, uh, since that tweet, we were also told it wouldn't go into effect until the fall. Ha. So. Bureaucracy. Yes. <laughs> Do a precinct special on but it. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not taking any suggestion. 
Unless it's about record stores. Yeah, <laughs> when they were, they we're taking on City Hall, boys. But, but I mean, like, at, at the end of the day, right, it's like, this is a store I work at. Like, I honestly um, care about it. I, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm in business. We participate in capitalism to some extent. Yeah. But um, I, I think that it's... It feels more, perhaps, indicative of um, things that are happening in the city more and more mm -hmm. uh, with, um, I guess, lack of laws protecting uh, encro encroaching, like... And the lack of logic. Developments. Yeah. Well, yeah and, and, I mean, and I think that also, whenever, whenever I see stuff like this, like, basically, obviously, like, record stores is something, like, kind of, like, near and dear. Like, I'm a music fan. I have my humble vinyl collection, so on and so forth. How many do you but, have? Uh, Hundred probably. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, 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 like it, which is small, I'm sure, by like Jason standards. Yeah, I have like 2,500. <laughs> there Jesus you go. Christ. How many do you have, Jordan? Uh, the, the store at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the store is at. Oh, the, the yeah. store. The store's been great for my record addiction because oh, I just yeah. uh, listen to something. Do you and realize have, do you have I don't an estimate? Do you have home. a number? Do you have it, like locked down? Like how many you have? Uh, it it must be a. Uh, well, how much are those bins? How much is like one? Yeah, I, I think I did count this at some point. Yeah, Pro you had to. A bin is maybe like 50, thinking? Like usually the... Uh, yeah, I, I'd say probably like you five, so? anywhere, somewhere between five to 10,000, maybe. That's yeah. probably right. Maybe 25. Yeah. I'm thinking like the little square bins, maybe 25, like I guess. No, no, no. I think those bins hold at least 50. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Depending on if there's you, how, you how slanty they are. You mentioned a really <laughs> slanty there. <laughs> you, rent, you mentioned a really interesting point about the competition being the, the multiple streaming services and the multiple. And I feel it a little bit because in stand up, everyone has so many options now. Their 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 first instinct might not be to come to a live show because they have Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, mm -hmm. everything under yeah, the you sun. Can, you can just watch like every everything. comedian special on Netflix. Why uh, did you go to minute, live? Right? Why did you go to a small venue to watch live stand up? Mm -hmm. for, for you, what stays special about vinyl and what stays special about that compared to streaming or having HD audio quality or things like that? What for you is so special for vinyl that you continue to have it? Uh, I mean, a lot of things, but I think um, mostly. Uh, you know, we sell a fair amount of new vinyl, like a place like um, Renobre would, too. Mm -hmm. um, generally different things, but um, we deal in used records, and we also deal with uh, carrying uh, items that um, local projects or bands make. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, community or something. We, okay. We, the, yeah. the, you know, there, there'll often be times where, like, people come in because uh, they saw a used record that was on our wall. Somebody got it before them, and then it's back in the store a month later, and they're happy to see it. So there's, <laughs> like, there's a certain kind of recycling that happens with yeah. this, which, you know, um, uh, by one of the province's definitions of exempted stores, uh, people that deal in antiques um, are exempt from this. But, oh, uh, that's interesting. Technically, record stores, because of the... Uh, Old model of definition don't exist as something that fall under that. In, so you can't be in that. Yeah, but we right. we do most of our sales uh, in On the used, used record and and um, carrying things that yeah. uh, are made locally. So you know, but that's what I was gonna say. Is but what, uh, but all of these stories and stuff, like it hurts. I think I said when it's a small business because you're like, yeah, if you're if you're like I'm HMV is bankrupt now, so it's a bad example. But like if you're HMV, that fine is like meh. You like you just like shrug and it doesn't matter. You know, like the, large chains don't it don't, don't suffer the same way. So then when you're like if for what if for whatever reason there was like an ounce of logic to that law, mm -hmm. you would want to use it to punish 
like big stores. No. Do, no, you. I'm saying no. They want to. They want to punish I, little I know, stores but, but to secure big it, stores. It, it, doing in well. the lo in the logic of things being fair, which yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying because I'd be like, oh, like a chain, a chain of stores <laughs> yeah. disrupting everybody is a bigger target for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretending that lot like. But it generates more money for the for the I government. Know, whoever. I'm not. I'm pretending I'm not a corrupt <laughs> politician. But you know what? But you know what I'm saying though, right? Where it's yeah. just sort of like, yeah, it's like if there's a whole chain of stores. I could target this chain, well, that, and, and theoretically, I'd be like, I'm taking down ten birds with one stone. But uh, no, yeah. I'm gonna like nickel and dime the small people that cannot possibly, like, like, eat the vine and like deal with it, or like don't have money for legal fees and like all these other things. I, I, I think uh, I think that's like exactly like what has become um, apparent over the last few months, and also yeah. anybody who is in a comparable situation, which is just uh, these things kind of defy common sense and yeah. um, are part of like a bigger bureaucrat bureaucratic cog that is just uh, almost um, really difficult to even find out yeah. um, somebody within the system who will help mm. you. And yeah. I mean, like, we're just a record store. There's like worse things happening, honestly. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, you guys <laughs> don't have a lawyer on retain or like, uh, just, like all the time? What, like right now, we're just kind <laughs> of, we, we, we suspect that if we just um, kind of keep our back up and because um, no nothing would uh, become more severe until they decide to take all the stores to court because yeah. we, we have pled not guilty and uh, it seems like something gets set into motion then when that becomes a problem. I don't know. I don't know how these things are weighed if they uh, do follow through on these things. I yeah. suspect probably and, and at which point I guess we'd all be open to working with somebody who might um, hopefully take the case. Yeah, yeah, but we're hoping it doesn't come There's that, no staff. There's no uh, Phenopolis like legal staff. <laughs> on like, <laughs> well, it would just be me and one other guy. So <laughs> I guess we could. That would make one lawyer almost. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to uh, to go to the court, um, always neck brace. Just no matter what happens. Yeah, just, just wear the neck, neck brace. Yeah, claim whiplash. Yeah, just yeah. all the time. Like a, a purple mascara, black exactly. eye, yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. He came in. He gave me a fine, and then he choked me. Yeah. <laughs> and a gallant, and a gallant scarf just to exactly, yeah, exactly. Just to, uh, possibly an ascot if you have. <laughs> so. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, I guess there's at least some indications that there's like, at least the mayor seems to think there's a happy ending somewhere. So we obviously hope, hope, fingers crossed that there is. But would that reverse the fine? No, that's the problem. No, that's the thing, right? It's yeah. like the people it got arrested for weed before it became yeah, legal. Exactly. It, still, it still stands, right? Which so your ridiculous. fine would still stand. It doesn't help I, you now, I right? think the whole thing's indicative of where, where the city's uh, secretly trying to, well, not secretly, but trying to head. Bernard is very much being targeted, I think, as a place where they want to just, you know, raise it and get rid of, and, and, and uh, people want to buy and take it over and build there. And I think, like, it's easy to uh, take a place like a record store and go, because they assume no one gives a shit anymore, because yeah. a lot of people don't. But the thing is, is that when they attack well, I don't that, give a shit about those people, Jason. Right. And then they come in, and then people fight that back. They start learning, oh, okay, and this is the whole thing we should be holding our government accountable for, are these small things, because you can say survival of the fittest all you want. The store should survive because it survives, but it should be an even playing field. It shouldn't have arbitrary, antiquated fines yeah. that make things harder for everyone else. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And if that's too hard to change, I think you have to look at your government. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's so watch out, Valerie. <laughs> Plant. Chief, Chief Garber is running from there. Yeah. Garber? Garber, right? Garber! Garber! Little Garber. Uh, I just wanted to know how you got into the... I mean, it's like it's obvious... I mean, it seems pretty obvious that, like, 
getting into like ru the running of a record store is kind of something you're passionate about. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also like how does, um, that, how does that start? Where does I think where you does, did it for well, the money? Where does Jordan road sure, to yeah. road to Phenopolis? I mean, J Jason can attest to this too. Like, uh, like we've both spent time as musicians, and um, you know, I, I'm not sure about you, but like I I dropped. No, out I wasn't good. I dropped out of university the first year, and uh, I it was sort of the only thing I was really trained to do. So. Um, uh, back in the day when Phenopolis was a store one-fourth the size on Park, um, uh, I worked for previous owner uh, Nathan Gage, who was a musician who toured. He hired other musicians who also toured. So it was just almost like a small network support system for just uh, people who wanted to make a few bucks in between tours. Um, yeah, I guess that's all obviously like a big draw. Is and like this is also like an era where like Montreal rent was probably like a fourth the price yeah. what it is now too. But, um, but it's always nice when your boss understands like, hey, we're going on a tour for a couple weeks. And you're like, cool, like someone will cover your shifts. You're like, sweet. A lot of jobs would be like, anyway, you're fired. And you're like, <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah. I hope I get, I get a job when I get back and then off I go. Have you seen Have you seen that British uh, sitcom Black Books? No. It's kind of it's kind of a bit like that. Like every these stores, like were like small record stores, are always a bit messy and disheveled, and yeah. um, you know, and like we've figured out some things along the way in the last uh, seven years. Um, but essentially, we're just yeah, we're that kind of business. We're not um, we we don't like employ a janitor, which yeah. I think uh, stores that are um, uh, being in theory fined for these kinds of fines. They are, these are supposed to be big monolithic uh, yeah. corp companies that like to me like a fine a fine like that should only exist if there's like evidence that like the business is like unfairly profiting from something do you know what I mean like oh like you're running this 24 hour store and like you have all the like you know what I mean like that fine should be like a like a deterrent to a company like doing something like a like actually Unjust and unfair, you know. Like the thing is, with the company's that big, they just budget in. Uh, budget yes. the fines. That's yeah, exactly. the thing because, like, but you know what I mean. Like, that's the here only the way fines, that they yeah, here are the fines. No problem. I'll pay yeah. you up we'll front. Stay open, like, we stay like, open until eight o'clock or nine o'clock on this day. We just we'll pack the fines. Yeah, exactly. Like when they when they came out with the iPhone and people are camping out and shit and they're opening at midnight to sell people a thousand iPhones. Yeah. They're not allowed to open at midnight. Yeah. Because of workers' laws and whatever, you have to give people a certain amount in between shifts. They're just gonna take the fine. It's it's a calculated loss to these people. Didn't they also hang on? Didn't Apple also like do that weird thing where they paid for the two parking spots in front of the Apple store downtown for like a month? Like just I remember, to just to keep the space clear. Right. I have no idea. Like, but no, but I mean, why would they do that? Sounds like huh? Apple. Why would they do that? What do you mean? Why would they do that? To so keep to, them clear. to keep it clear because there were so many like the lines coming in and out. So to free up like space, they needed a space for all the rebels that are part of. Uh, the misfits, the, the, the Apple. People. No, but uh, I was counterculture. Are you doing the line from Breakfast Club or something? No, no, no that? there's that. There's that. Uh, I thought it was like that the, old the Steve. The, the Apple motto. Do you remember the one that Steve Jobs made in the '80s? That it's like, here's the rebels, the misfits, the oh, people yeah. that think outside the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. That's like a whole slogan thing. If you want to be able to think outside the box, you need room in front of the box. I guess that's uh, that's why you get inside the box and stay yeah. there forever. Sorry. Apple. So this is why there's a parking spot in front of the yes. Apple store. Yeah, yeah. You need room to dream. I thought it was so that. That you could they they could like drop a blanket or something and you could see the dancing <laughs> silhouettes like with this Blue Man Group yeah by sure <laughs> <laughs> whatever song is the Apple song that season and then just people dancing in the background but they, they got to go back to Jet at one point right yeah, yeah. but sorry to go, to go back to your question um, <laughs> just like a after working at a small uh, record store for many years um, the owner 
um, went off to do other things. And it's just, you know, you work within the community for a lot of years. You see the same people every day. It's kind of becomes something you know how to do. So it's um, when, when he decided to leave, like I... Was he just like, here's the keys, Jordan. <laughs> it's yours now. Yes. You're like, oh, it's like a Santa Claus. Yeah, I kind mean, of <laughs> essentially, like, I, I would love to just uh, have a record store that functions. Um, I'm not... I don't really care about like how much money we make year to year as long as we're able to survive. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fines like this are the kind of thing that put stores like ours out of business. Yeah. So it's a little bit messed up to know that that the government is actually proactively um, yeah. trying to make things harder for small business. Because I, I don't think there's any um, – there hasn't been any discussion. It's really just brick wall yeah. With a, an occasional letter sent yeah, out. Yeah, you're but like, this though. is what I mean. I think it's like you're a like, situation but where why like, though? And no one has an answer. This will get swept under the carpet. No one yeah. gives a shit. Yeah. Because they don't know. You want to say anything? Yeah, I'd like one. Thank Can you. I get another Roos, please? Roos? Yeah. Can I take a Jameson? Jameson? Neat? Yeah, thank you. Lawrence, are you good? I'll have another one, please. Thank you. Yep. There we go. Yeah, sorry. Order. Sorry, I spaced out to your earlier question. It's all good. No, dude. It's part of the format. It's all good. Can I talk about how I got into records? Yes. So my dad was a karate teacher, and um, he... I'm not uh, sure if you're joking right no, now. No, I'm telling the truth. My dad's a third-degree black belt. What? And he, at the time, uh, was then teaching... he fought me for the record. No, I never... <laughs> he taught karate. You want to be a musician, Jason? You and have a guy to beat me. And a guy who owned a record store. Yeah. Everybody was horrible. <laughs> and a guy who owned a record store paid him in records. But my dad didn't know much about music, so he just got music with <laughs> ladies on the cover, especially if there's like... So we had tons of disco records. And then I would spend... I was a kid just listening to records all the time, and they were always around, and so... At some point in my life, I was like, oh, I just want to have a home that's filled with records and books. And then I became just obsessed with that sort of thing. So I worked in like six record stores nice. just I've for that reason. I've always, like, my, the appeal to vinyl for me is always, I'm like, it feels like it's the music that will, like, most likely survive the zombie apocalypse. Because I was like, CDs, CDs break down. Like, obviously, anything digital is, like, is going to be gone. But I was like, as long as I can get, like, a record player going... The vinyl will be intact, like as long, you know. I guess we, we say I that mean, now, but then there's going to be like a half mutant lizard person pulling a tape yeah. into no, a tapes, Walkman. Like, tapes don't have the longevity of, of a vinyl, like <laughs> at all. Like they're the they're the longest, I think, lasting physical form of music. So yeah, but if there's a zombie apocalypse, you're not going to be like. No, you're thinking outbreak. I'm thinking like two, three years post outbreak, where we're like, we, oh, where we kind of like, have damn, I wish I had brothers. And yeah, arms. we're like, oh, we basically <laughs> we now have our little fortifications. The walls are up. We have our little self-sustained farm. Does anyone have any music? You're like, yeah. no, I only have an MP3 There's a woman on every cover. It's crazy. <laughs> <We don't have laughs> what is this? There's no jazz whatsoever. It's just women. It's just <laughs> disco. Did you listen to disco music based on how records. fuckable the covers are? Is that what happened here? Because as soon as you said that, the only thing I was thinking about was like that poster with all the naked women with the different Floyd covers. I'm like, this yeah, is the back this catalog. Yeah, that's the, yeah, the Floyd back catalog. Picture. You know, like, oh, you're like talking about Jimi Hendrix. You're talking about Electric Ladyland. No, 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 it's all the women. So there's a, no, there's a famous poster. With called like, I think they call it like Pink Floyd back catalog. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's all, it's all naked ladies. Yeah, that's a real. On like the pool edge. That's a classy. That's a cool photo. That's yeah. a. That's a like. Hey, I have moved out of my parents and I'm in college. This and poster to, comes with your yeah, kit. I need to cover like, the This crack comes with your college wall. dorm room kit. That's right. Yeah, it's the drugs are behind the Scarface poster. What, what We've done it. It's what Morrison yeah. saw every time he closed his eyes. Yeah, exactly. It's it's awesome. But that's what there's a Jimi Hendrix album. The British cover for that is all nude women holding yeah. up the other album cover. Yeah. Uh, they were really into nudity in the 60s, I think. 
It's the time of I don't free. think when did that stop? People like new. Yeah, when people have always have we been stopped into being into yeah. nudity? <laughs> uh, up, up until we saw Janet Jackson's right titty, then it was just like hard. It's stop. over. It's true. That's too exactly much. when ended. The next nudity yeah. was over. Record stores felt that the next day. I was at a Super Bowl party, and were people taking polls on uh, on, on, on what, on, what do you call it? On wardrobe uh, malfunctions? No, because oh. I think we've, we we know that it's never ever going to happen again. People were talking about like trying to talk about the Janet Jackson thing, but all these guys were fucking sloshed. So one of the guys was like, hey, remember when we saw that lady's boob? And then one of the guys goes, yeah, Whitney Houston. I'm like, bro, Whoa, what? No. And I was just like trying to talk. It's Janet Jackson. He was insistent that it was Whitney Houston. Well, maybe he was a first responder. I mean, I, I don't know what he was doing. Oh, no. <laughs> That's real dark. That's spiritual. <laughs> hey, man, the Pusha T album cover is her bathroom that she died in. What? Oh. Yeah. If you look at that cover, this Whitney Houston's in the tub. Well, what's fucked? Why would you do her. that? Know, that that's one of the cover. most expensive wholesale records we have, oh. and it's 29 minutes of music. It's fucking great, though. <laughs> well, what's the... What? Um, is it like skits or whatever? No, no it's just, just 29. It, it's called an album. It's an EP length, but it's an Kanye album. Kanye did a, a bunch yeah, of albums oh. at once. There's, There's a lot of like... I mean, these are the perfect guys to ask. What's the difference between an album and an EP? Like, okay, legitimately, um, please. Well, no, actually, I, I might not know EP, the technical LP, answer. Jason might be more adept at answering this. Technically, it's supposed to be something like 28 minutes, but really, it's just a sales thing. So if they want to sell something, well, it's runtime, right? It's just it's, like it is technically it's supposed to be next. Yeah. A little, a little, play. a little. Uh, so an extended play is is in reference to a seven inch. Yeah. So it's an extended play to a single. So there's like four or five songs on it's it. It's supposed to be single EPLP, right? But it's also like a marketing thing. Yeah. It's but now it means nothing. If someone well, someone, no, now if someone's like it's a 28 minute album, it's, it's well, an album. this is the thing, especially in hip hop. Hip hop has become uh, art sale, like it's selling art because they. Hip hop artists release records in quantities of 300, and the next day they'll sell for 800 dollars. So, so the people putting those albums out are definitely keeping some of them. So it's become this huge art racket. Mm. You can't get them within like I think there's a Benny the Butcher album recently that I was lucky to pick up, and then the next day it, it goes super high and they don't press it again, and that's totally just to create that. So, so they're trying to basically run like a painting scheme on it to like control the flow of the yeah, market. Yeah, it's 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 just that's selling art. It's art now. It's that's but just so always like hip hop always other, sort of the went other into that. Was really short last. Denzel Curry's was like 28 minutes, 29 minutes too. The zoo? Yeah, I don't like, was, uh, was some, also some rap songs too by Earl Sweatshirt. I think was like twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. short, like, yeah. really short. That's because we got rid of skits, right? That's good. We're all happy the skits are going. Yeah, skits. No, was, but but well, then the, the Marshall uh, Mathers LP was like 11, 12 tracks, and like four of them I mean, are skits. Some would like, say that whole album was just skits to beats. That's fair. <laughs> really. yeah. That's fair. Also <laughs> but he sometimes he talks fast, and I liked it as a kid. But there yeah. was the uh, uh, what was it? Cuddy's uh, Cuddy's grunge album, the like speeding bullet to a train. I don't know that one. So. Kid Cudi, a couple years ago, released a grunge album, which is not a hip-hop album. It's just grunge. And it so fully encapsulates the 90s sound that he got Mike Judge to record new Beavis and Butthead skits wow. for his, like, 2016 album. Have what? You, I was like, this is the greatest thing in the Isn't world. Isn't there also, like, uh, later Lil Wayne that's, like, really influenced by Nirvana, too? Like, uh, grunge? Like, yeah. I don't know to the point where he had, I don't think he got Mike Judge to record sketches. No, no, definitely not but, that level. But I mean, but like Cuddy, it's not even just a grunge track. It's the whole entire album is like very much a 90s throwback grunge album to, like I said, to the Thank point where he fully embraced it and has Beavis and Butthead sketches like in between the tracks. And I was like, wow. I was like, I am just applauding your like, I don't know what the word, what the right term for it, but like chutzpah. Well, not by your hoods, but just being like so thoroughly investing into Fortitude. the style. You know, Big you're like baldness. 
But just acknowledging that, yes, this is what I'm doing, and then just, like, running with it. You know? Like, you're like, yeah, yeah this is a 90s grunge album. Like, like, did you hear, like, Cuddy's 90s grunge album? And you're like, no, like, you know, like, maybe he was doing something avant-garde. No, 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 it was a 90s grunge album. He has Beavis and Butthead sketches. Like, he knows it. He's not trying to pretend he's making something 2018 or whatever. He's making a 90s grunge album and being, like, fully present in that time. Yeah, you know, like that kind of weirdness goes on all the time. I mean, that's yeah. like pretty much the biggest. I would say a popular entertainment, the most experimental mm-hmm. in uh, popular entertainment going now. Like as far as like live production or just production of albums yeah. uh, or themes. I mean, uh, things are like they're pretty like you would. That music's weird on a grand scale. You would never heard that in a rock. Rock would never take those chances to, with the weirdness that hip hop does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like even the. Um, was it like all the 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 Wale stuff with Jerry Seinfeld? And whatever, all the mixtapes about, like, like the mixtape about nothing and whatever okay, else. Okay, yeah. That then also, he kept sampling, like, in the sketches, he had, like, Jerry Seinfeld routines. And that moved forward to the point where Jerry Seinfeld has now recorded new material for, like, Wale's stuff. And you're <laughs> like, what? Like, you're like, how does that, how did we get here? And he was like, oh, I just used to put Jerry Seinfeld sketches on my mixtape. But <laughs> hip-hop has this, like, really, this really cool appreciation culture for other art forms. Like, you'll see Wale pop up in pro westling and you'll see yeah. little Wayne pick up a guitar and try and shout out a band and you'll see all these guys and they'll try skateboard and badly yeah and they'll try and reach out <laughs> beyond the, what their specific genre is yeah which you don't really see from like a rock community or a punk community or different things I like mean, that I think you it's do kind of it's interesting about you hip-hop. do see that it's a calculated move right to sort of you see it in all like country does it that's why you're seeing more and more like country did a while ago with a pop form Mm-hmm. So you've got like Casey Musgraves now. We had Taylor, Sw- Taylor Swift before. So they play with these. They reach out to these memes. They have hip hop artists sometimes on their things, and it's a it's a it's a marketing thing. It's the same with hip hop artists too. But the but beginning of all but, that but comes from an appreciation of vinyl because they all those well, a lot of especially '90s like, hip hop like, so much soul, so yeah. much soul being sampled. Like well, I think that even just even to, to to pull it pull it even further back, like it comes from sampling. Yeah. You know you know what I mean? Where, I mean. Where, where it was just like, but like even back in the like early stages of like late 70s early 80s hip hop it was just like yeah you sampled the break from somewhere else so you're like the basic on vinyl yeah on vinyl yes 100% but it's just like, but like the start of the entire genre came from like kind of taking other things and putting it into and doing something with it you know what I mean whereas oh, like yeah, rock, I know exactly whereas Rocket was like I have to play this riff in hip hop you were like that's a good beat yeah. I'm going to loop it and rap over it which is the opposite of comedy too because if you use something oh, yeah, that's been done before <laughs> it's like don't cardinal steal. sin yeah, but in rap, you're like it's a but yeah, like from yeah, obviously. Like Wait, explain that. In comedy, if I do something that's already been done, like I can't. Like, what do you mean? Su- like something. You can't like sit up there and do George Carlin's if, material. If, if I do uh, seven things you can't say on TV, I'm the biggest hack in the world because Carlin did it, and that's Carlin's material, and that's his perspective. You're talking about doing someone else's material. Yeah. yeah so that's like a cover. Right, but if you do a sample. Like if you're if you take a funk beat or something like Kanye West, all of his I don't beats know, I feel come people from something Sasha else. Baron Cohen all the time, like with the, like my but wife. The, but the thing you is, hear that lyrics, all you the see time. That, but you see that in in, <laughs> in like hip hop lyrics, and it's yeah. fine, right? Well, that's true. But all art is a conversation with like the past. So, For sure. So you can you can refer to things like that, or even like if you're smart enough, go. I'm gonna use uh, reuse some of this Carlin thing and represent. To be clear, it. I'm not smart enough. I, so I, if you want no, to, I, I, I'm going to assume my art is following. You're not. I'm going to assume that you are. <laughs> and that we're on the same page with it. But that's what I'm saying. Well, very smart twice, people having right. a very smart conversation. <laughs> the <laughs> skillful sort of appropriation of something else no. to create something new. Yeah. I mean, you can have, like, uh, Puff Daddy doing that Godzilla song where he just rips off Cashmere wholeheartedly, right. the riff. Or the and police. I don't think that's necessarily very 
uh, adventurous. That's my opinion. But then you can have other things like, but he like the whole Wu Tang, the whole Wu Tang, right? and all the all, all the sort of offshoots. Those samples are um, unearthing. I, I, don't, I don't know if any of you have actually heard the. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you'd probably hate this, I, but um, it's it's worth a listen. The uh, the last Eric Andre hip hop album. No, that's mostly well, comprised. I love Eric Andre. What do you mean? I don't know if I want to hear his hip hop album. Well, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> I you're like, I love him, and then immediately but, um, within the same breath, I don't, you're like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're gonna like this. I like him, but fuck his music. I don't want to hear him rap. Anyways, that, that album has some of the most hilarious samples I've heard. And I don't mean like he's sampling like a farm sounds or something. Yeah. I just mean like he'll sample, um, uh, go full circle here, um, a uh, collage track that's on the B-side of a uh, Smashing Pumpkins single in the <laughs> 90s. He samples. I know this because I, I was obsessed with that band yeah. when I was a teenager. And um, I, I, and I heard this thing that, for, in my head, I was like, how I can't believe you sampled that just because it w- was not obvious at all. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I think that's where uh, it also gets interesting. It's like a, lo- a lot of the uh, sampling that hip hop seems to do is um, unlike anything I, you know, you hear in pop music or anywhere else. Because I, I, I find when you, when you mention like just like hip hop kind of sampling soul and stuff, like funk and soul all the time, I always find it's weird because obviously having been exposed to like more hip hop than funk and soul for the most part, when you go back and listen to those old funk and soul records and you hear like a song start and you're like and Snoop comes in now and Snoop right. comes in na- oh no this is not <laughs> this is this is not the track that Snoop sampled from 20 years later or whatever I mean yeah, and it depends also on how skillful the producer is yeah. because uh, Kanye West uh, for example whatever you think of him is a very very good producer mm-hmm. and so he takes like he's he takes tracks that kind of you don't even pay attention to that's a sample and right. then later on you hear it and you hear a yeah. song and you go Oh fuck! That's where that came from, and then you yeah. go, "Man, that guy's smart. Like he's already yeah. knows his shit." But, you know. But don't you feel like a lot of um, that kind of style of sampling was, uh, you know, it was pre-internet, meaning a lot of it were people that were crate diggers or knew this, this kind of. This is what I mean about music. vinyl. That's why I was saying, yeah. it's about vinyl. It's about sampling. Right, well, I mean, yes, like but it's the, about vinyl. But, but I, I always go back to the the cover, like the cover on introducing is him like flipping through the vinyls, yeah. like, and like and like when that came out, there was no way to unless you had like. Like now you can look up like samples on introducing and you can see everything that, yeah. sh- that Shadow did. Yeah. But like but when you heard it the first time you'd be like I felt like proud of myself if I could like pull two or three yeah. you know like, on a track and I'd be like, like Oh Be- Be- Beastie Boys <laughs> Paul's Boutique too, similar thing. Like yeah, exactly. before the internet, like you yeah. have to really ask other people who might know. Yeah, you'd stuff feel that, really yeah. good about like catching a few, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like and you're like but you're like, no, like on like that introducing is a good example of like there's ten to fifteen samples every track, if not mm-hmm. more. And you don't hear them, you know. Like you can't. You. It sounds like you're listening to uh, like a finished piece. Yeah. Each but track. That's, like, that's the argument too, right? Is because you're like, if I hear a song that's sampled, it depends what you're sampling and what, how are you using it. Yeah. If you're using like, there's like songs for well, again the Pusha T. There's a song where it's like the sample goes, and then it kind of the vocal starts on another line. Yeah. And he cuts it there. Yeah. But that creates its own hook. Yeah. So it's like seems sloppy, but then becomes a hook in itself, and it's like. That's when you get, I think, into the real skillful sort of arti- artist work of sampling. And, mm. and I think that comes from listening to records and going, what are the best parts? What's the best part of this? Everyone at the party loves this part. Let's play this again. And then right. they have a mic, and then they start talking over it. You know, it's like... Well, yeah, but well, just like, yeah, like the, the like evolution of hip-hop, just like, like isolating the break. You know, where you're just sort of like, that wasn't anything to yeah. the original artists. It was just the, like, like the part to like the like band get on time. But then they're like, no, the break is where you like... That's where you can rap over, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like you're like it's stuff like that just kind of like blows my mind. Where you're, you have like an element of a music that was like considered the least important part of like the funk or soul song, yeah. 
that then became the most important part of the hip hop song that like isolated that one part, you know, like. I'm really excited that four white dudes just figured out hip hop for everyone. We did Thank it. God, we, we did, did it. it. Thanks. It was it was the four of us and Baz Luhrmann uh, standing <laughs> over us, so we could do just us sifting through what was old it, the Will down. Smith. The samples. Get Down season two. What, what's his new film coming out? He's got a new one, right? It's like oh, Baz singing Lerman? and people like dressed in like like Sherlock Holmes or something. Oh. Isn't that every one of them? I don't I think know. so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he if he has another one. All I saw was I s the Lin Manuel Miranda has a uh, a musical movie. Coming mm. out this summertime. Is it about the Civil War? No, it, but it's about like it's like my block or whatever, and it's about like New York, and it just made me think of nothing but the Get Down and like and whatever else. Like All right. Yeah, you're just sort of like you're like, oh, it's my block, and now here's 300 people doing a choreographed dance on my block, <laughs> which is what <laughs> happens in Brooklyn. Which is my understanding. <laughs> which is my understanding of Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for uh, hip hop talk volume two. <laughs> So I was wondering if, I mean, you're a, uh, we mentioned at the top, I guess, like, Jordan, you, you've improv improved a bit, and you're obviously, you love improv. Do Does your love of music transfer or, like, bring you ideas into your, like, theater self? This seems like a good segue into the show that I'm doing on a monthly basis hey. now called Night Drive. The show's called Ooh. Go Plug So yourself, Night Drive everybody. is created by Mark Rowland, probably one of the best improvisers in Canada, if, if not to get rid of the problem he is. And it also stars some of the best improvisers around. Um, basically, I play a DJ, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm playing music. And basically, I'm, a, I'm on a, like a lonely radio station, so I'm sort of improvising, talking over the mic, and just playing music, talking about the music, talking about things in the neighborhood. And then it goes into an improvised scene inspired by the music. And then it comes back out again. Oh. So it's kind of like shortcuts in the way that like everyone's kind of... It's all these small Carver-esque scenes in a, in a city while a radio's playing. So that's how that plays in there. But... Mostly what improv uh, was really, why it really worked for me was when I was in a band, I hated practicing. Um, it's like jams. And learning, but jams. learning lyrics or like <laughs> anything anything involving work like that. But you were more the guy who's waiting so for the, you, you were waiting for the band to provide the ultimate bedrock for, you just, you just. No, didn't. no, I would be involved in being loaded. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, did you like jamming? <laughs> like No, I hate it. Yeah, but I was not, not not practicing, but just jamming. Like, we're no. like, I, th no? I think there's some misconceptions sometimes with like people, like, like, uh, Jamming is kind of for a select few, and we get together and you're like, let's just let's just jam out some songs. Yeah, that's fine. And some that bands make great careers out of their jams. Well, then there's jam bands, but we're talking about the practice space sort of uh, yeah. vibe of like going in and getting drunk and playing music. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you just go into jazz? You're just like, we're gonna figure it out. It's about the notes we don't play. Like we're just gonna fuck around. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> well, exactly. You know, <laughs> we're fucking freestyling it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge jazz fan. There's a lot of improv in that. Um, but I just like the idea of you can show up to something and be like. Like you train, you practice, and it's For sure. worthwhile. But you show up, and you didn't have to memorize anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I just don't yeah. want to memorize anything, or go over. I hate redoing things over and over again. So, that's that's fair. so if you were, I guess, uh, if I was gonna say it, so if you, if it was to be music, it would be jazz, I guess. Like if you were like the a style of form, where you're like an art form, where you could have like put a lot of practice, put a lot of work in, but then show up every night and it be improvised. You're basically a jazz musician for the most well, part. Well, I mean, minus the intense musical uh, knowledge and the musical like, oh, of course, acumen. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, when you're re listening to a session, like a, a jazz record, usually it's a session put together, and the na the record is named after Hoover put the session back together. So, uh, or put the session together. So it's their album. So it could be the drummer, the saxophone, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's got you know a group of guys that got together for that day. They record over that day or the next day, uh, and that's the album. Yeah. So. 
there's a basis if they know what the the basis of the song is and they have enough knowledge. But it really is just a session. They're not going, yeah. okay, stop, let's do that again. You know what I mean? In the same yeah, way you yeah, do yeah. pop music. So I like, I, I do really like that. I find a lot of again, assuming that. you can like. Yes, obviously get to that level of skill, but that if that would be your musical ideal. I would like to be an improv at a level that's similar to jazz. <laughs> 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 or if you, I was gonna say, if you had to choose, then if you could, if you could improv at a jazz level, or jazz at an improv level, I can. No, but <laughs> I think I think Jason's entire creative arc can be mapped at his slow progression towards slam poetry. <laughs> yes, you can do you can do one form of improvisation. It's either at, at the highest level possible. <laughs> is it improv, comedy, or jazz? I, I mean, it would be comedy. You, you'd, you'd, you'd give up jazz? I, no, because I, right away I'll go, wow, that's a lot but, of practice. But I think we really shoved him into this kind of jazz <laughs> hole. I think we really... I'm just saying. You, you I guys, don't want to practice ever. That's fair. Oh. Like both that's both of you are from Montreal yes. originally. Right. And I think there's this other thing, like being from BC. Um, like I definitely felt that in Victoria, but Jason can probably back this up, which is just like... You guys love Elliot Smith. That's all it's I just, know. It's just being a... You could be Elliot Smith. Yeah, Wait. the the the, the w without uh, without sounding like a person complaining, like the the psychic weight of being a musician in a place like BC. It's just people aren't really having a fun time in general. Like it's a pretty uh, shitty. Why is it just BC? Isn't it everywhere? Well, no. I feel like there's something weird about BC. Like like you go to a place like like t we got an email at the Phenopolis account recently. This guy from Vermont. He's like, hey, I'm coming up to. Uh, Montreal with my 15-year-old uh, daughter. Like, we're a duo, and uh, I play the the Seagull Merlin, which is, like, this kind of guitar that is native to Vermont. Uh, anyways, it's just, like, an Vermont earnest... Vermont is a native guitar? That's right. Sorry? Vermont is a native guitar to the area? I, 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 it's a Green Mountain Ben and Jerry I, I might guitar. be wrong about like, that, but it's, like, okay. it, Popular it's, in it's Vermont? like, made from some kind of wood from a tree there that's... Uh, the Vermont made, yeah. Yeah, but but anyway, so you booked that, this? That no, but that kind oh, of um, sorry. That sounds like an easy no to me. No, he, no the the thing was is that he he's a listener. He uh, he approached <laughs> he approached us to ask if we would want to interview him. Oh, okay. So I think he thought daughter? we were like a music oh. magazine or something. Oh, um, oh, I see. But uh, uh, yeah, like that kind of earnestness towards music is like if you if you have that in a place like Vancouver, like you'll be crushed alive. I mean, I just made fun of it. Them in Montreal. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Montreal's that much kinder to like. I mean, I now we're pricks. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say though, like, so I'm, I've I've been on the uh, on the outside of the comedy scene via Walter for like a decade. Yeah, and like comedy has seemed to have gotten better in the last ten years. Someone like Walter was like cutting his chops like ten years ago to yeah. now. It does seem like the community is less like. Get out of here, newbie! No one wants you. Well, exactly. There's an openness to it. Yeah. Like, now that now they're that's, like, that's what I found refreshing. But there's definitely generations and crops of people who've come up, experimented, got better, and there's, you know, rooms that have come and gone. And I feel like it's at a point where people just keep growing, and they realize that it's a scope just beyond the one or two or three rooms that you play. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's something where, like, when you're talking about ten years ago, which was five years before I even started comedy. Yeah. And you just have the same group of people who just went to the same rooms and it was kind of inaccessible in a lot of different avenues whereas yeah. now you can kind of make your own success in a lot of ways mm -hmm. so I understand that with improv it always really interested me because I never got into improv but I just the quickness and the facility of, of just thought in between just was like, well, like so any, fascinating it's like any form of comedy right like the majority yeah. of the majority of time you're going to see crap but, yeah. then you, but then you're going to see something really good in that night. And I think the people that are interested in it go to see that. The thing about improv that's different, too, uh, 
is that you, and this is something I find very important I think about all the time as far as art in general, is that when people are laughing at improv, you can do it. You can do something in improv that you couldn't do in stand-up. Stand-up's crafted. Stand-up is, is practiced. And stand-up is uh, dealing with a room as a one-person thing. Yeah. Like you're a one-person in a room. It's a totally different thing. It's a different type of uh, pressure. In improv, you're usually on stage with other people, and you can get away with, with uh, jokes that might let be less um, cool, like just sort of stupid jokes. Some, someone, because someone can drop like a pun and kill. Because people you know, like are going, <laughs> reacting to that and, and going, and, and going. oh, that's a human being. Oh, I would have done that. That's what I would have said. Yeah, so yeah. there's a total feeling of going, that's the humor which comes from. As you do something, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought of that. Or I was thinking of that. It's yeah. a different thing. So you're talking about the pressure of being alone with an audience or being with multiple people with an audience. And you also talked about wanting to have never practiced and have that kind of skill set to be the best at something. How can you excel at improv if a lot of it is beholden to the person you're working with and you you don't really have an idea of what they're going to do or things like that? How do you improve it's as it's a unit? It's practice. Or right. So you, I know, I'm joking. It's the worst part practice, of improv. Right? But I hate practice it. in the way that I hate to go and go, I've practiced this, now I have to perform this. Okay. So when you go, so when you're doing a stand-up night and you put book like six acts, book six great comedians, you know you're going to have a pretty great night. Right. With improv, you do all the prep beforehand where you do, okay, well, I'm going to, we have to have a really good idea for a show. We're going to work the show out. We're going to workshop it with good improvisers. And sometimes you'll bring in improvisers that aren't in the show just to have those other people to get the points of view. And then once you've done that, you sort of, you know you've come in with a solid thing and now it's just sort of honor, honoring what you've practiced and how you've looked at things. So with improv, the main thing is you listen. You just basically, you listen, and you're not trying to be funny. Improv falls apart when you try to be funny, usually. Right. But you, but it helps to be naturally funny. <laughs> yeah, because it, like I assume it's when you, like if I tried to do improv, and my mind is wired to always search for a joke immediately, it probably comes off as unnatural in that setting, so I look like a guy who's except like, for hey, let me try and be funny, bro, and people are like, fuck this dude. Except for the <laughs> fact that you're a funny person already. Some people do that and aren't funny people already. Don't encourage him. And that's when it becomes... <laughs> My ego's well, no. going to be huge, can, bro. But improv isn't always about comedy. People can be good improvisers and yeah. not be the funniest people. Yeah. Right. Because they just are really good at being honoring the it almost, it almost ends up being like a sport, right? In that sense. Where it's it like, can be, yeah. You know, they've, had, they've had competitive... Uh, they do. They have, I mean, I, we they did, I know. I, I did QID. I did, but I'm just saying about when you talk about practicing and stuff, where you're like, the number of times you'll run a passing play or a drill or whatever in a, hockey or whatever... That is never going to be replicated perfectly on the ice when a team is defending. Yeah. But, but you're still like, you're like, I know roughly, I, I get familiar with your playing style. I know that you're going to maybe hit high slot. I know that's probably where you'll be when you, I lose sight of you behind my right side. Like, you know, like there's a bunch of things like that that'll let me do a blind pass and tee you up. And everyone says like, whoa, that was an amazing play. And you're right. like, yeah. You, and that play was unique in the yeah, fact that they never, pr practice. they never practiced that precise maneuver yeah. but through the course of practicing with each other that becomes possible the improv aspect of stand-up would be situation of, of, of and you you can i'm sure crowd you know, work is yeah. that when there's work. a real exactly. dick in the crowd and you well, just but, but but even crowd work is like crowd work is an interesting tool like i would go to an improv class for this for the express purpose of making my crowd work better or making my reactions better yeah. to things or making Sign my up. on stage character mm -hmm. yeah but every uh, all the improv guys want to charge you like 400 bucks you're like level <laughs> 1 no, they uh, want you to take a mark, take mark a class. has no hair it costs a thousand dollars you're like well I don't, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> no, he's bald fuck it I don't care like you know what I mean? Like it's true. They're like, Mark you have to be. It's Tuesday nights between six and nine. I work. I'm like, guys, ah, you know, come on, guys. I think there have been attempts to create like uh, improv classes for stand-ups. 
and I don't know if it works that way. Well, they tried to do a Theater St. Catherine on Sundays. Well, that's the Sunday night improv show. Right, and they tried to get a group of, of stand-ups to go out to it. Yeah. I think some stand-ups do go to that once in a while. Yeah. I think it's an important muscle to flex. Like, I only started doing crowd work, like, four years into stand-up. Like, crowd work is very important. It's important. It's hard, hard, too, because it's a <laughs> really easy way to fucking lose a group of people if yeah. you blow. Exactly. What do you do, bro? I'm a cobbler. I don't have anything about shoes. I'm yeah. totally fucked right now. Like, it's... Exactly. Did you watch that... Um, Todd Berry special from a couple years ago. Just the crowd work? Yeah, yeah. I fucking love that. That's that was amazing. amazing. It's yeah. incredible. Did you see it? No. Oh, the, my the God. One, the, the, one where the, he, uh, the one where he talks to that guy whose job is making artisanal sodas <laughs> that are like <laughs> cucumber soda. and yeah. It's I like, I'll help you come up with taglines for them. It was a pretty great show. I love <laughs> so that. Well, I just always remember the – we saw it a couple times because Big J does it all the time. Big J Okerson what's does – What's your fucking deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, does what's your fucking deal and just does that. And you're just sort of – and it's crazy when you – when you, he'll do that three nights in a row. Like, JFL, and like, that's what blows my mind. I was like, to get up there like – Back to back to back to back and be like, I don't have a plan. I'm just going to talk to a crowd of people. Hope everybody leaves in but stitches. No, no, no. But there is you know a plan. <laughs> there is a plan. As much no. as there doesn't have a plan, exactly. there's definitely that, a plan. It's a practice skill. Like, in a way, like, if you watch local comedy, like, I, like Joey Elias will do it. Yeah. Uh, often co-host of the show, Chris Vendito will do it. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain, um, I guess the same with improv. You understand within a framework what has to happen. With comedy, it's very different because it's not about bringing a narrative forward. With comedy, you just get a joke and you're done. You don't have to expand on a narrative if you get a laugh. You know what I mean? My yeah. cousin went to the store the other day. This funny thing happened. And then you don't have to resolve the story because you got a laugh. You can move on to something else. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. are just like, that's fine. Yeah. So sure. it's definitely just about solving it and finding that laugh. And I guess it's it's an important skill set to have. So that's what but it's it, kind but of interesting it, about it, improv. Like in my experience with it too, but I, I also feel that um, like with improv, when you say it's about listening, it, sometimes it's sort of about listening to the room like the people who are there sure. not not because like oh shit like this bit is falling flat it's actually more like how to save a bit or like I when went yeah like i mean amanda mcqueen taught me a trick that i've used a lot which is basically she's excellent she's so said uh, i mean she was one of my teachers for improv yeah uh and she told me she's like just repeat the last line someone said to you mm -hmm. so it that makes so if someone says you know hey uh is that your truck and then yes, you go it is. you go yeah is that my truck? It is my truck. Yes. And I'm going to take it down and load it with fish. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't do that, you could be like, is that your truck? And be like, yeah, my wife's pregnant. And then you're just going off on this other tangent. Right. And I think yeah. sometimes it locks you down to, yeah. because people are nervous. It's true. And so, but I think like that's what locks it down. And, and there's different types of improv too. There's yeah. like the kind you see on Whose Lines It Anyway. There's competitive improv. But what I like the most is narrative improv where it's like an hour long show. That's so cool. you're creating a story from one end to the yeah. other. And that's where someone like Mark Rowland, who is a genius at it, is really, uh, when it's a very satisfying thing when you can create for everyone. When it comes to an ending where they're like, it's never going to be, Precinct was never solving anything because what would be the point of that? We couldn't, that would kill everything we were trying to solve it. For sure. It's more like, is this ending funny? Did it work yeah. in this way? And everyone's like, you can feel the relief. People are like, great. I can tell them they did a good job. <laughs> yeah. But I always found that was also, I don't know, just from a practical sense too, repeating a question in stand-up is really good if the, like if not everyone necessarily hears the answer from the crowd, so you're going to build off something that people yeah, aren't. What, do you, what do you do, sir? I'm an artisanal soda maker. You're an artisanal soda yeah. maker. And like if you don't say that, the funny. back, yeah. didn't, the back yeah. didn't get it. And it, it gives you time to think. It gives you yeah. three <laughs> seconds to be like, <laughs> what the fuck do I have about artisanal soda? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That's it. You're just. And that's the thing, too, is not thinking to our 
Yeah, so yeah. it's really the first thing. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You think about, oh, a kid's trying artificial soda and doesn't like the taste of it. I want a Coke. There's like right away you just go with whatever. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And then someone else comes out and, and builds on that. Yeah. And then you have something. And then in narrative, about halfway through, you go, don't add anything else. We're just going to solve. <laughs> yeah, you're like, stop, 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 stop. So one act is like building, building, and then towards the end of the show, don't you're like, I'm going to resolve whatever. I'm going to tie up the loose ends, whatever we've built in the first yeah, couple acts. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So that's the sort of skill in that. I mean, it's maybe, uh, maybe you know, the TV show Lost should have should have taken from there. I think it probably just, was improvised just, for the most part. Yeah, but they should have stopped. Like they had stopped improvising at season three and then dealt with all of you know. I don't think they knew what they were doing. For they the just kept improvising. That's they just what I'm kept to piling say. it up. So I don't piling like it TV. Up, piling it up, piling it up, and then we're like, oh no. Is there, no is there, is there, I, I, I don't know the show too much. I, I know enough about like that people were disappointed with what happened in the last few seasons. Yeah. But is there anybody who? In the lost community, that, that defended. It's like, no, this was actually really good writing. Yeah, I don't lots of people to do. Okay, really? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I feel that that was like among the most universally, <laughs> like reviled. <laughs> outside of the show. one where uh, what it was, was a huge show. Yeah. I, I watched every single episode of it, yeah. and like up to like and the you finale. Well, because so. It's a lot of hours, man. Like it, it was hours. the level of like uh, the Dallas, right? When it turned out to be yeah, a dream exactly. or something. Because it, it was. Like, it was <laughs> I was into it as it was coming out. Like, my roommates and I were watching it as it was coming out. So, it became clear at a certain point in the last season where we're like, oh, they're not sticking the landing. Yeah. So, and that's why didn't you bail? Like, because I was like, I had already watched a hundred something episodes of it. That. So, now I'm like, well, this is now a weekly exercise of watching the plane crash. Yeah. Literally. This is your Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Of Thrones, we're like, yeah. it's, it's, they're not going to get this right. There's only ten episodes left. I had the same exact same experience with Game of Thrones this year or last year. So rough. I I, I think for me with the final stars, I started watching Mad Men, and I was like watching it, and I started going, "Oh fuck, here we go again." They don't know where this is going at yeah. all, and why am I watching it? Is it just because did I like you, to did sit not and watch make it through? Yeah, but Mad Men sticks to landing. Man, did you I not make I it don't through? Think so. did you I not do. Wait, what? I what? I I find I'm a defender of Mad Men's finale. Yeah. What did they do with same? What did they do with the fact that he stole someone's identity? They deal with it. Wait, how far did you get into it? Like, like two seasons. First season, I was okay. Like, and well, I was they like, do, I they, can't do, they do a lot with that. Yeah. They address all that. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm not going back, guys. You don't, don't have to. You don't, don't have to. If don't. it's not for you, stick it's with not the for Sopranos. You. That's what I say. Yeah. The greatest ending. Watch that every couple days. Never watch The Wire. What? Never watch Sopranos. What? I don't like TV a lot. And uh, you I have TV. You just no, talked about Mad Men. Yeah, I gave up. Start with the classic. So what? So you don't like TV? Are you a movie guy? He's a movie guy. I like guy. movies. Yeah. I know Jason. He's a movie no. guy. I just can't sit through long. I'm like, <laughs> I like comedy uh, TV shows. What? Did you have you watched The Good Place? I've watched The Good Place. Are you up uh, to date? I haven't finished it. I, good I, Place I, is a very satisfying four season. I'm arc shocked about this. By from the way. A to Z, it's wrapped up, and then everything is very satisfying. I've heard this. So uh, that's something that I really. I'm, I'm halfway through, through season three. I haven't spoiled it for myself, but my friends who I, I trust their opinion of, I'm like, does it end good? And they're like, they like put their hands on both my Does shoulders. It end they're like, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> good, good, good. And they're yeah, like, yeah, it's gonna be fine. Like, he the wants to watch a good show, not a well show. <laughs> no, I don't watch. I don't watch well yeah, TV. Exactly. Like it's not, you know. The two most satisfying endings. Friends, there's friends. Oh, so. oh. Reese, no. Was when Joey eats that cake or whatever. Has anyone seen You're the Worst? No, I've seen You're the Worst. You're I never the, saw the ending of it though. You're the Worst is fantastic, and the ending is the entire last season is. Like a feat of storytelling and being true to the characters in a like in a brilliant way. Well, what's the other one then? Uh, Adventure Time. 
It was the Adventure Time. Oh, right, Adventure Time. What yeah. Adventure Time does, which is like, which is fantastic. It's, I think it runs almost ten seasons, but they start in like season six or but seven. They're short episodes, though. They it's are short like episodes, uh, yeah. but they're still over like. They're still over like 150. But so what about th- what, there was really audacious endings to shows a long time ago, like, like Twin the Peaks. famous no New Newhart. Does anyone oh, know, is that know what I'm talking about about Newhart? The Newhart was was he had a heart attack or some no. nonsense. So Bob Newhart's been in lots of TV shows. Yeah, he was in Newhart where he runs an inn in New that. England. Yeah. There's all these weirdos there. The very end of that show ends with him waking up with the wife from an earlier sitcom. Right, and he goes where he played a psychiatrist, and he goes, "Oh, I just had this crazy dream where I ran an inn." Great. Another one was St. Elsewhere, which was a hospital show. Oh, right, yeah. At the very end of it, it was an autistic boy who had a hospital, and then it just pans out from that, and the whole thing was just in his mind. Yeah. This is funny. And then Roseanne. Roseanne had the, the whole last one? season, right? Yeah, but didn't they reboot? Like, didn't they? Well, they, they were like, yeah, 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 like, what a weird dream. Because like, I was like, I, I was never a fan of Roseanne. Almost until the last season, when it became com- weird, completely absurd and insane, yeah, yeah. and they're like that. I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm interested now in this insanity. And then the show came back and they rebooted it. And then she turned out to be a white supremacist. And you know, I mean, just by accident. <laughs> the book on like, that. come on. Oh, there were hints in the first season. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna give this last thought because I know Keith wants. We're to gonna move get on. to five questions. That's but it. But my favorite do. ending all time is Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, the when they made series. the movie. The, fuck the movie. The movie, <laughs> the, the movie was the last episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's was, that's this how is I like understand the it. The most payoff heavy. I was so happy. Anyway, I know we can't expand on it, but yeah. I'll have to say, Adventure Time does the right thing. Which made me think of uh, improv or whatever. It is in like season six and seven, they start wrapping up side characters story arcs, which I thought was like brilliant because you're not heavily invested, but like say like the neighbor and whatever. You're like, let's wrap him in a nice little bow. And so that we don't need him, like, weighing down our final season. Because he has his, like, not always happy, but, like, he has the conclusion of that little arc. Which I thought was weird that you don't see that more often. All, the, uh, all the Adventure Time fans of the, this show are stoked here. Rep- I, I, I've never you know, seen it. It's so good. <laughs> do you think they'll end Curb Your Enthusiasm this season? Like, do you think they'll have an ending? Have you been watching it? They oh, all yeah. go to jail. Yeah. The, that the, Just the last like sign of the last show with the yo-yo and the beans? Amazing. I mean, it's a weird season. Oh, yeah, for sure. It opens up with him, like, breaking someone's selfie stick on a sidewalk. <laughs> Nobody's walking. I'm like, what is that going on here? Like, just very kind of, like, circumstantially just grabs it. As I think he's yeah. aiming for everyone in this, this season. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of <laughs> stuff. Including himself. Including yeah, himself. Having, having a little fun at his own expense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys watch High Maintenance? Sorry. Just, like, just I watched the first uh, episodes when it was uh, uh, on... Uh, we're through, we're, we're well, that's it, so that was like the pre pre before the HBO series. That's what I mean. I watched it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. It's it was so great. That so my good. favorite thing episode ever was that horrible couple. Yeah, that the one. Oh, every, s- everything is. That Did you guys watch Search Party? No. Oh man, Search Party is great. Wait, you just made this up, right? No, I didn't. You haven't okay. seen Search Party? No. So I think her name is Search Party. Party. We're going to do a whole Ma- show just about. This will be edited into a show just she about. She plays maybe in Arrested Development. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, yeah. So she's the star of it, and and John Early's in it. No? Something Shocket? Uh, Alicia Shocket, I think, is her name. And it basically, it's just like this. <laughs> they're just an awful group of friends, or they're kind of an awful, and they end up involved in a murder. There's two seasons, and there's supposed to be a third one coming, but it's fantastic. Nice. Super, like, great, dark comedy. So. You'd love it. Uh, Maybe this is also a backdoor pilot for a show called... Aaliyah Shocket. Yes. Oh, I was close. It's I fantastic. said Alicia Shocket. Uh, it's a backdoor pilot for uh, TV Talk with Jason and Jordan. 
Yep. That's <laughs> Tune in. Um, so every episode we close off, we ask uh, the same three questions to every guest. Then our previous guest asks, asked you a question without knowing it was you. And then the fifth question is, what question would you like to ask to our future guest, not knowing who it is? So just think about that in the back of your mind. I, you might need to run me through that one it's more okay. time. It's okay. Yeah, okay. At the end of this, we're going to ask you what question you would like to ask a stranger. Gotcha. Uh, but we just reset the questions. At episode 200. At episode 200. Uh, do you want to do you want to ask your your? Question? Are we both answering these questions together yes. or yes. differently? You can different. My question. You can answer oh, them. Which I guess I'll lead off. Like with at my the same time no. in that improv style of. No. Okay. Oh, Jason, yeah, answer yeah. answer for Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, answer for Jason. No. Okay. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Jordan will gladly do that. <laughs> you can't see Here's right. Jason you can't see right now, but my arms are behind. Uh, I'm behind him, and I'm motioning. He's doing the puppet. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing Jason. the arms game. Yeah. <laughs> Stop touching me. <laughs> uh, my question was, because I saw a tweet recently, so I was wondering, because I know the answer for myself, it's when you think, do you have a narration, like a voice in your head, or do you abstractly put thoughts together? Yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts sound like? Yeah. Or I, feel in general? Like? Yeah. Hey, this in is general. a really philosophical question. Right? Uh, <laughs> do I have an internal narrative? Yeah. I think I read some of this recently. You must have read the same thing I did. Yeah. Uh, I do. Really? Yeah, I, I, I tell myself that I'm doing things or I tell myself I'm going to do things or if that's what you mean, right? That yep. is what that means. Yeah, I do have a narrative in that way. Versus what? So I will tell you, I don't want to answer for you. Yeah, yeah. But most people that I've spoken to say that, yeah, like I put, I put things together in like words and sentences and I talk to myself. That is not remotely what my brain experience is like. Yours doesn't? It's ju- like I just put abstract like images and thoughts yeah, yeah. together in an order where like if I'm thinking about like doing this podcast it's like a mix of like the time that it needs to happen and the bus and my computer and stuff and I'm like I have a podcast but what what you're saying makes sense to me so does what Jason's saying like is it an either or thing no like, no like, not at all because like, I mean, like, I'd say I'm like a bit of both no, that yeah. makes sense to me too yeah. but I would say like I think a personal narrative is an actual voice Saying something like in a way, like kind of you can sense a voice that's telling you things. Sure, that's more what I think what we're talking about, right? Right. Uh, we're, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, whereas uh, the only time I even, the only time I ever even think in words is when I need to like settle my thoughts down, and I'm like, time for language, and then it becomes kind of like a list yeah. that I start to put into an order. Otherwise, I don't think in words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do. So I definitely do. Like right. I, I'm very aware of the fact that I do. I mean, I think I probably fry my brain with too many drugs to actually have a uh, one or the <laughs> other. It's just, it's, I don't have the choice. It's just like, oh, somebody's talking to me right now versus like, oh, like it's a sequence of images that. I think we put you down as undecided. Thank you. But that's about, so like, as I'm saying, like, so like if you're, if you have a, a to-do list in your head, yeah. is it a list of words or is it just like images? It's more of like a feeling of guilt that I gone two years without having my health card. Oh, like, no. That's, that's the to-do list. It's like, should go see a doctor soon. It's not the guilt part. The guilt part comes as well. <laughs> the guilt will happen one way or the I other. I think I should answer It's very Catholic. Part. It's it's a feeling of guilt first and then thoughts after. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I always like, and I, I feel also that if I do take the time to form a list <laughs> in my mind, I then just feel like, shitty that there's no way that I'll like accomplish half the things on it. I'm like, what do I need to do today? And I'm like, oh no. Are you a list person? Uh, like typically. I have very, I have 
pretty bad uh, ADHD just in, <laughs> in life. I do as well. Um, so there's like there's times where, like I said, where I can freewheel and be very productive. And there's times I can freewheel and nothing happens. Yeah, and too much it's confusion. And then and I'm like, it's less time. And that's when I'll that's when I will physically write a list and cross things off. Right. But if I don't physically, and that's this is the dangerous part. If I don't physically write the list and I just like conceive a list, stuff that ends up being on it is just sort of like file your taxes on time. And it's like, and it's November, you know, right. like, and I'm just sort of like, that's why is that a thing that's now on the list? Like, if I don't physically write down things and I let myself think about a list, the list just spirals right. into like everything I need to do in life. And you're like, wonder what funeral arrangements I should take care of. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, a, f- a friend like of mine. I saw, I saw an, an Orgel Bourgie ad, and I'm just sort of like, I should put money aside for my funeral. No. Like, why? why? I believe that's, that's what's known as uh, falling into the brain pyramid, as a friend of mine once said. Oh. Yeah. It's just those, Sounds those like someone. Are you sure that someone would say that, or Soundgarden sang that? Mm. Falling into a brain <laughs> pyramid <laughs> on the tip of the sphere. Could be, we used to have a game... Uh, which I, I've forgotten. I used to work at a warehouse, and we had a, a what, game. You, what, it, what was the warehouse? Uh, we used to move rush-cut flowers. R- rush head rush flowers? Like, so flowers. Okay. Like, flowers that are dying. Like, roses and things. February is a stressful month for you guys. February, and then March yeah. is Mother's Day, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's back-to-back. Double whammy. Yeah. It's rough. It's, it's like a sad job. It's a heavy job. <laughs> it's the death of love. <laughs> but we used to uh, uh, play a game of bush lyrics or nonsense poetry I just made up. Okay. Which was just, like... Trying to just mimic uh, Gavin Rosdale's shitty lyrics. Oh, I thought you meant George Bush, but no, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, like Bush, the band. Can we do one right now? I, I, I'm, I'm. It's 20 years off my prime, <laughs> and it was like there was like a couple of us that would listen to a lot of Bush. Not are you of, refusing this offer? This man wants to throw that. Can I challenge you with one? Can oh, I'm I challenge 20 you with years one? Right wasn't now? the go, fucking go question, Keith. Okay. Let's go, do I, shit I'm now. sorry, I'm too rough. I I, I'm a big Bush fan, also. So you probably get it. Okay. Yeah. Go. So here's one for you. Okay, ready. Your sweat like kerosene. Oh, I mean, he's definitely said kerosene. What the fuck? Kerosene <laughs> is definitely a th- I'm going to say real bush lyric. No. 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 The glycerine is the glycerine. actual. Glycerine. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, right. <sighs> wow, you got me Shit. on that one, buddy. Glycerine. Obviously glycerine. <laughs> I'm sorry. As you were saying. It's fine. No, but that's it. But, but we used to play that game all the time. And it would be like, and none of us even listened to bush that much. And this was like late 90s, early 2000s. So like. Lyrics websites were easier to get to than you wouldn't spend bandwidth to download a song. You, so you had to like get. We, no, but we were just looking up lyrics without ever <laughs> listening to the music <laughs> to try to find absurd Bush lyrics. <laughs> and that's not how you got knowing which songs they went. And to. that's how you got into poetry. And then, then now I'm, I'm a poet. <laughs> um, question number two, uh, coming from coming from Ines. Uh, oh no! What was your favorite thing to eat as a child? Oh. I used to like uh, making, well, a child, I think I was like 11. Okay. So I liked uh, peanut butter, jam, mayonnaise, a slice of cheese, and Whoa. pickles. Why'd you throw mayonnaise on On uh, three pieces of bread. Repeat that slower? Peanut butter. So peanut butter, mayonnaise, jam, raspberry or strawberry. Pickle. Slice of like cheese, you know, like a Craft single, single. Yeah. And a pickle. And how stoned were you as bread. a child? I wasn't stoned at all. I haven't had it since. Maybe I should. That's a. But like you did yeah. this multiple times. 
I did it every day after school. Wow. Because I was like, it sounds and like And then a, one day, a, one day, I think something in a mid-bite went, what the fuck am I doing? And I, I never had it again. Because this is the first time we've asked these questions. Yeah. We should make the, list the answers, <laughs> and then we should make whatever make it them. is for the next guest. And have uh, us come back and make them for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or we, or you know what we do when we hit like 200. So we did the 200th episode. We didn't know what to do. We'll make a recipe book. 250, we make a recipe book, or <laughs> yeah. we have to eat some of these. But wait a second. Yeah. Can we make Ines eat all of these yes. things? Because she needs to eat that sandwich. Chris yes. Vendito and I will help her because we're uh, <laughs> culinary be artists. Uh, we're fat fucks. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> how that works. I was nicer. Uh, I, w I would also accept, I was thinking about this question, uh, I would also accept a favorite meal if there's like a meal that sticks out, like a specific meal slash event. I mean, I think that's implied with favorite food as a kid, right? Yeah, no, but I, yeah, I'm just saying I don't want you to necessarily think that like, you're like, like cheerio, Thanksgiving dinner, like, fine, well, let's No, but like a specific Thanksgiving. This answer was perfectly weird. It was perfect. I'm just throwing out other elements You're changing the rules of the game. Yeah, don't constrain our guests, especially in between two answers. Do whatever you want. What are you, what is it? And is it glycerine? No, I mean, I think I was like one of those like weird suburban kids who's like family appreciated convenience, I think, more than making fresh food. So like, like my situation. Well, you guys had a pickle, which is more than fucking love pickles. I love pickles. Pickles are my favorite thing. My dad like went on to like a, kind of like um, quasi like fat reduced diet after a heart attack when he was in his late 30s. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, this is um, crazy. So staple meal for me like after school would like Jason would be a slice of um, like white bakery bread like that you buy at like a Safeway, Save on Foods, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they don't have anywhere. They have yeah, them. Yeah. Crust, but like in the bakery, in the bakery section yeah. of the supermarket. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not buying like Wonder Bread, but it's yeah. made fresh, like but it's still crusty like, loaf. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. But it's, it's refined. It's like it's bad flour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not so a good bread with margarine spread all over that. Oh, because we didn't yeah. have butter and uh, a can of. And they don't make this anymore. Like I'm, I'm vegetarian, so I wouldn't eat it anyways. But I, I've looked horrible. out of curiosity. Sounds horrible already. Get ready for this. It's really bad. It's Campbell's beef burger soup. Do you guys remember beef burger soup? <laughs> no, dude. It was it was a like a gravy sauce with beans, carrots, potatoes, very processed, and little beef burgers inside. What? <laughs> like a like little, like, like, like a tiny like, like a burger. Yeah, but it, like like the size of like a pog or something. So. I like that you could have said tuna or something. Why would you, like, would you put no, that no, on no, the sidewalk? No, 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 no. We're going full no, no. 90s on this answer right that's now. That's disgusting. I wouldn't put that on the sidewalk. <laughs> the bread on the sandwich. was on the side. Oh, okay. It was a side accompaniment to that's the That's okay. Soup. That sounds like a yeah. good meal. Yeah. Anyways, that was that was the one. Now we have to hunt down a can and eat it. Yeah. On this podcast. Exactly. It's very difficult. Oh, man. I used to always like... Please don't make somebody eat that, though. My, my after-school <laughs> snack that I would make for myself very often would be a uh, an English muffin that uh, my father taught me that to cut, an, <laughs> to cut an English muffin, you use a fork. Is your father a muffin man? Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Because I but just cut one to this morning no, with a knife. But, but like you, you poke a fork into yeah, it. you're supposed to. And, and it creates more like oh. pouches to soak up the stuff. <laughs> Whereas like if you cut it. it, you end up with it being flat. Soak up what stuff? Whatever, Whatever you put, put on it. it. Topping. Jam, what would jelly, you put on margarine, and so butter, this was, And this was, I would pickles. then put peanut butter on the Mini English burgers. muffin. Okay. That's a great move. And then I would microwave it for uh, like about like 20 or 30 yes. seconds. And then roll it into kind of little like Ooh. peanut butter English muffin hot dog. Oh, that sounds fucking great. Taco, I guess. And that would be That like was your favorite thing? That was just a quick snack. Well, the question is your favorite thing. I can't <laughs> Like, I'm the host. I gotta, I <laughs> have you had that these. recently? Jesus. I haven't. I'm sure it would be great. And the, the trick is you need to eat it really fast because otherwise yeah. if you microwave bread, it turns it gets, into rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so no. you need to be like, bop, 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 and just like eat them before 
the microwave does terrible things. That I feel like a lot of these are probably better eaten very fast. <laughs> like, don't think about before it. Before you can think and regret yeah, you're like, it. Before you're like, oh, mm. fuck, this is a mistake. Uh, Mayonnaise and pickles? Goddamn. <laughs> you know, you need to think day. ahead, Lawrence. I, I have to think of a bunch of these. Because I, I'm going to do this every week. I That's need to think true. of a bunch of, like... True. I just pop in and out when I have an idea, and then boom, I, like, boom, fuck boom. off for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then Christopher Vendito's question was, uh, when, tell us about the moment you realized that being an adult sucked. Uh, well, I mean, it hasn't stopped. Let me see. When did it start, though? This is the question. Yeah, like, the moment, the moment you were like, oh, no. Ooh. Uh, I have responsibilities now. Why? Uh, probably when I realized I was an adult and I was still in high school. I don't know. You had early onset adults? Yeah, I was like, why the fuck am I here? Uh. I should have moved to Montreal uh. when I was in grade 10. So we, we, I think I feel like I was ready to get the fuck out of high school early. And where were you in high school? Like, where, like I was where? in New Brunswick, small town in New Brunswick. Ooh. Yeah. That's On the border of Maine. I've been there. There's to Maine? That, to both... New Brunswick and the border domain. I've crossed that border. Which that one? St. Stephen? The one near the Chocolate Museum? That's my hometown. There you what? go. Ganong's <laughs> Chocolate, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've been there the one time, so I can't. But yeah, that tiny little bridge border. Yeah, I live just down the street from there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would say that's, that's truthfully when I felt like an adult and ready to go. And you were right. And then I was, well, no, I don't know why I wasn't, but I thought <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm going to Montreal. Was that a, like a, was it a point of contention in your house? Where you're just sort I of think like I just wasn't gutsy enough to go, fuck, you don't really need to finish school if you don't have to. Oh. You don't have to. You can just, high school's not really that important. And then you leave, if you, if I just left instead of staying around for, for another year or two, or whatever, yeah, 10. So in mon- we went to grade 12 in, 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 in oh, New Brunswick. And there's the whole extra year, too. Yeah, so basically, to me, I was just like, what did I gain in those two years that have helped me in any way in my life? They have nothing. So basically, I think I should have just left. And I think at the time I knew that. Didn't even get a job at the chocolate factory. <laughs> I didn't want one. I worked at <laughs> a Canadian Tire, man. Oh. <laughs> Jordan, same question. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I, I don't know, but I, I, I think like um, uh, maybe when I was 20 and I was supposed to go back to BC and uh, – I overslept um, my flight by, like, you know, I, I didn't intend to get up at certain hour. I, I don't know what, what happened, but essentially, like, I was like, oh, there's still time. <laughs> and um, I was uh, quite dejected to find out that I would have to pay for another flight, that they wouldn't just put me onto another one because of my laziness. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so You're like, it's like missing the bus, right? Yeah, and just, just get like, on the it's next not my one. fault. Like, my alarm didn't go. It's like, well, sir. Uh, it's not that- my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is totally exactly that. It's not my fault. You understand <laughs> I, that, I right? Love the, but I love the assumption that it's just like the bus. You know, yeah. you're like, there'll be another one, and but I'll get on that one. That, yeah. Yeah. Adults uh, are continually doing this to this day. You'll hear adults say, but it's not my fault. I was yeah. at the uh, redoing our my uh, um, passport, and I heard this woman next to me going, but it didn't say I needed this. And they were like, they're like, yeah, it's right there. And she's like, yeah, but it's in French. I understand French, but it's in French. She's yeah. like, it's not my fault. And I was like, man, you got to stop, lady. Which, yeah. ironically, is the same logic behind why we'll probably have to pay these fines because it was a law that preexisted. No, we not if you prove it's not We were never told about it, but it's not, it's not up to the government to tell us that it exists. Yes, so that's true. it's our fault mm. for not um, being I aware. I still think if you find a hotshot lawyer, you'll be okay. 
like a kind of a like real Matthew McConaughey, like a Maverick, get the Lincoln uh, lawyer, flaw. get McConaughey, yeah, yeah. McConaughey, like a, a time to kill. No, they say Atticus lawyer. Finch is. is uh, I thought you said McConaughey. McConaughey was the Lincoln lawyer. I'll and he was an also time, and he's to, and time, he's to, kill. time to kill. Yeah, yeah. He's a but good I'm lawyer guy when he's not a he's probably has, lawyer. He's like me with yeah. cops. He could probably be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sergio De Silva from uh, the owner and operator of the Turbo House. If you guys know Turbo House. Yeah, I know Turbo. I've been there. Uh, wants to know... How would you define success? Uh, I think you have to gauge success on your own terms. And uh, so if you... <laughs> so that's, that's the question. What's if you maintain... <laughs> so, right. So it's individual for, you, for each for person. You, yeah, yeah. How would you for define me, success for yourself? Success? It's not for Lawrence. Probably, except... Success to me, in a way, would be I can pay my bills. Uh, I maintain a uh, harmonious relationship with my friends and my family. And... I'm never. I'm always sort of looking towards uh, something else on the horizon that's attainable, and I think like if you can sort of make uh, and be have the respect of your peers in a lot of ways, I think it's a, is a, to me is a success because I don't think it's realistic to look at making it big uh, as a gauge of success because yeah. I mean you're just you're but setting supporting, yourself supporting yourself with your art or or just having room for your art. I think yeah. I mean, I feel very lucky to be able to do improv here, you know, and still make money doing something else. Uh, but yeah, I think like you have to gauge. I don't think success is based on a monetary thing at all. Have to. And it really, it matters on, you know, your sort of your friend group and your family, I think. Yeah. That's, sure, I, I have that. I have good, <laughs> so I'm yeah, happy. Yeah. That's success. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say it's like the same uh, as Jason, pretty much. Like, well, you, yeah, you've already kind of mentioned it, where you're sort of like, I'd like to, you know, Put food on the table at the record store. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, essentially, <laughs> like I think it's like anybody else. You'd like to real true success would be that everybody, most people that you know and care about, whenever you walk into a room, they don't give you a look like, oh, this guy again. Oh shit. You know what I mean? Like if you can get a look that's like, oh, hey, that's that's <laughs> that's why you're I always fishing <laughs> for that look. That's why I stopped doing the yeah. podcast with Walter. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, this fucking thing exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's giving you a hard time. Just every time I walk into the room, he's like, this fucking guy, and I'm like, hey. you know what's funny? There's like people. <laughs> that's how he like, treats everyone, though. I yeah, I know. That, I mean, I think he does that to his there, kid. There's people that like, <laughs> I, there's people no matter what. Like, there's people I haven't seen in like six years. I assume that they like me because I kind of like them too. But it's like it might be six years. You know how some people you haven't seen for six years? It's like, hey man, how's it going? Yeah. Some people that you see and it's just like, oh hey, what's up? Yeah. Oh, man. It's like, You're, it's like the opposite of a comic. You just have to assume everyone fucking hates you until someone oh, explicitly tells yeah. you otherwise. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, it's part oh, of like the, the whole, like, I don't think you hate me. Like, I, I thought, thought, like, thought musicians Yeah, but this is like, a, this is like, this is what musicians comics. do that. Yeah. And it's a really ne negative thing. Like, playing in bands, you had bands like that would, there was always backstage, you'd always have some sort of like ranking in their mind. Like, yeah. do I talk to this person? Vancouver, is though. Is this person Well, I thought it was everywhere. It's not here. Uh, you, you, just you like brought you it over from Vancouver. We we brought it over from BC a little bit. Okay. Of that, but so yeah, you had that. I hated that. I hated it. And in, and then I was working the literary scene when I uh, was booking uh, authors and stuff. Noticed not there. It's not there at all. And then in comedy, I don't find it to be that way. I find people in comedy. Improv, I think comedians are guarded. Yeah. But for the most part, if you reach out to them, they'll talk to you and they'll be friendly. I they'll be normal so. people. Do you know what I mean? I don't ever run into. I mean, I, I don't mean to uh, pigeonhole you or anything, but it's also like do it's, it, do but it. But it's like, do it. are, like technically you're Gen X, right? Yes. Like when you think of somebody like Mark Marin and just like how he like, there was kind of a Gen X vibe, anyways. I think with that kind of comedy versus now, where like 
um, it's a lot more inclusive, and a lot of it is like the more vulnerable you are. Like vulnerability. Mark Maron told me to fuck off. I'm smoking a cigar, and that's an I honor. Said, probably because I said, yeah. "Hey, man." <laughs> truth. That's like 100. percent Was he smoking story. a cigar? Yeah, he was, he was smoking okay. a cigar, and like it was kind of crowded. And I was like, saw him look down. Was I just relaxed? And I was like, "Oh, hey, man." And like, and I was not even engaging in a conversation. And he was like, "Fuck off, man. I'm smoking a cigar." I was like. I wasn't going to stay. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm moving through. And I was like, that was very weird. I was like, you could have nodded and been like, hey, and I would have kept going. But he was like, fuck off. I'm smoking a cigar. And I was like, I guess, like, the context is it was just for laughs. Where I'm sure these guys are probably... Harangued like, all day. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I did a book uh, signing for Mark Maron once. Yeah. And he was totally fine, but it was a horrible situation. No one I, I, I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get like, like, shitty Hollywood vibe from him. From, like, that... Exchange didn't come off as like, I don't have time for you. It was just like, kind of like, oh man, fuck off. Like you know, like that was it was kind of that. And I was like, it's if I had been looking to engage, he would have put out a very clear signal that he did not want to. I just thought I was like, you jumped the gun a little bit. You could have given me a head nod, and I would have been on my way. Yeah. In the same right. way, you know what I mean? Like, I but I guess your guards need to be like extra up in that scenario where you're there's a a zillion producers everywhere. B a zillion autograph seekers. People want to take selfies, and he probably just wanted to sit there and have his cigar. He doesn't know. Was he in an alley? No, he was on a, a on a t- table in a ter- on a terrace outside. He was actually. Well, that's in his the fucking s- problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that, you go somewhere else. You should know that better than. I mean, he was at the hotel. He was at the JFL hotel. I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of what the fuck, and like as a real fan, like you know that he talks a lot. Like if he if. He says, if you see me smoking a cigar, don't approach me. It's the worst time to talk yeah. to me. So it's like, if you Is had that known true? that. No. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Can I edit that out? <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a piece of Jason's shit. Jason's favorite thing is making me feel bad about trying to be funny. No. <laughs> Look, man. And my That's favorite thing about Jason is. Uh, what's really your favorite thing about each other, guys? Let's. Uh, I, I, yo, I, I thought we were actually going to answer that. No, I'm just saying you can. I had like 10. Jason oh. probably was going to be like, shit. This is bromantic. <laughs> this oh, is very cute. I, think the, I don't want to get into this. <laughs> we, should add, we should have a question. Of what's your favorite out. thing about us? Yeah. Just like we want to end, end it on a high note of yeah. stroking our own egos. Our what's your favorite chair. thing about the hosts of this podcast? I like no. how you guys color coordinated tonight. And I like how like. Oh, he's um, wearing black. I'm wearing blue. No, this is blue. This is blue, buddy. Yeah. The next time you guys do a show, when you're doing a show with all the comics, go to them and say, guys, come over here. And then go in a circle and say one nice thing about the person. It's going to change your show. Yeah. <laughs> Walter wouldn't do it. No, Walter would murder us. <laughs> with you guys know Walter in a different way. I know him from backstage at wrestling. It's a totally different thing. Backstage at wrestling? Yeah. He would murder us there, too. He's a murder-hungry he person. He's quiet. He plays a character, and he's quiet. No, but he beli- Exactly, because he believes that... Meh. Mother won't listen anyway. It's fine. We're gonna go four hours on this. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, gonna, go we're gonna get to your last question. So hopefully you have one in mind. But before that, I will present to you that Walter, and I say this without like a hint of like irony or whatever, believes that wrestlers are greater than comedians. So oh, I can see that. So completely there is an, in him. like an aura of like 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 respect and like solemnness. I'm sure that is backstage at a wrestling thing that does not exist with Walter backstage. At a com- comedy thing, right? Whereas he's like, he's like, oh, every wrestler is above me. I'm the interloper. So he's here. at his best. Yeah, he's, or he's like, at he's at his, he's trying to be at his best. Yeah, exactly. With the wrestler. He's like, so I'm uh, the outsider here. I'm just the. That I makes an, sense. I'm an announcing character. I don't wrestle. I'm I'm. <coughs> in, in comedy, he's like. See, I don't care about wrestling at all. He's like, I hate everyone. Well, well, do you know, do you do know do who really wrestling likes wrestling? wrestling? Oh, I play to a character. Uh, totally uh, once I play. Uh, I'm gonna let him finish. Twiggy's. Uh, yeah. 
You're one of Twiggy's family members. I'm like one of his family from uh, Scarborough. Yeah. So I come to town and I go on stage and I talk about how great he is. Are you one of his kids? I'm not one of his kids. Dimitri's one of his kids. Dimitri is, Dimitri is his nephew. Is Dimitri my kid? I don't I, know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and then people just boo us. That's yeah. awesome. And we get beat up when we leave. Well, so I, I, I don't question? stick around. I don't like the last question is yeah. what question you would like <laughs> to Quick ask. plug to Battle War. Go check out Battle To War. our future guest. What? You picked one. I didn't hear you. What question would you like to ask to our future guest? Oh. What attribute about yourself oh. do you think, if recognized, could help things on a grand scale? If recognized and nurtured. But, but like, so attribute about myself, like... What's a good with attribute? With within, within me or, like, within, like, everybody should cultivate it? It's, about a, it's a question about potential. In yourself. My potential or yourself? Okay. okay. So it's a, it doesn't it, have to be something like, you've reached. I'm nice to people. Everyone should yeah. be. No, but, but like no, but within me. Yeah. Okay. What's something that if you could, that you have a potential, a, a large potential for doing something bigger? So what attribute about yourself could like, could lead to greater things? If for other people, yeah. for everyone, could lead. Uh, uh, Lawrence, you want to take a shot at that? Oh boy, I have to answer. Yeah. I'll what attribute about me could later to lead to greater things for humanity if oh properly nurtured? Um, yeah, right? What in yeah. my, So what in myself? Okay, I think I got this. I would say empathy. Oh. Because I think you have to be empathetic because I think we're very quick with judgments and you see things on social media and you're putting opinions together in like half a second and then you're moving on and you're not exploring your own opinions. So I think you have to be empathetic to what other people are going through or why other people... Even if it's not something you agree or you don't think they should handle something in a certain well, way. How do, yeah. you, do you do that? I try as much as possible because... You, you think know, you have a potential of a greater like empathy than... Yeah, I think it's always a, a muscle you have to flex and work on and you have to be aware of when you're not using it because even me and I guess everybody has the same thing where someone will do something and it's like, yo, fuck this guy. But then I have to be like, wait, like obviously something there's something going on here. So you, so you, could, you could potentially... If you were to like harness that power, you could become like a very good mediator. Yeah, you could be a good mediator. You could be a comedian. You could just reach out to people in a way that it doesn't have to be it's like a shared. It makes sense. Experience, right? It's something that makes things better. It doesn't have to be better on a grand, like changing the world. But like, yeah, just something that if, if you could uh, amplify it. Yeah, I would say the thing I would I I would say that like my biggest talent, air quotes talent, is uh, like looking at things and determining how they could be done like better now, and, I'm, and I'm not saying like more efficiently and less money but like how people can find like finding I uh, can often guide people to like find that's management but management but also but like to find joy in even what they're doing you know if we can do yeah. this together well that's we good can, management. we can get this done yeah. and we can get that done but I don't necessarily think of it as like telling people what to do no no I, I think of it as just sort of like almost like like Thought coaching, but that's good <laughs> management, right? <laughs> yeah. Telling people what to do is just management. Yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. But that's it. But that—that's where I, I'll look at a situation. I'm saying like, this could be more fun if we did it this way, or this could be better for us. And and but like with a people-oriented side of it, not necessarily like we're gonna get it done faster. And if we are gonna get it done faster, it's so that we can go party after. You know, like it's not just like no, so we can do more of it. You right. know, like it, that's yeah. never my. So like, you're saying that if you amplified this, there'd be more partying. There would be more partying and less working. <laughs> <laughs> and work would be that more like a party. Oh, nice. that's good. That, that's, nice. What, uh, that's what I would, I would bring. If I, was like, if I was in charge of like putting together people like work weeks and stuff, that's mm -hmm. like how we would go to it. I like that, yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap this up. Do, do, I get, do I get to answer? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. It was oh, wow, we're, I'm not answering this question. You already did. Did I? You were the first person. Well, he asked it. <laughs> I asked well, it. Here you go. Um, well, just actually related to what you just said, um, yeah. I, I felt uh, pretentious thinking of this question first, but it would be um, what is the one thing you would like to change about your relationship to capitalism before you die? Oh. Oh, oh I, I understand now. You, you hadn't asked a question. He has a question. Yeah. I thought you were answering theirs. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What is the one thing you want to change about your relationship to capitalism? Before you die. Before you die. Yeah. Woo! What about as you die? <laughs> well, that's just about partying again. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm terminally ill with some disease, I'm like, it's full on party. Wait, they're calling someone to find an answer. I, I think they actually just got uh, I'm, I'm writing it down so we can <laughs> ask it to the next person. <laughs> I, I have always, uh, like, and it, it, it's not even, this isn't even like a pipe dream. This is a, like an honest-to-goodness dream of like having as much as possible, I guess until my health, if my health fully fails me and I need to go into like, um, like assisted living or something, this would kind of go out the window. But if possible, I would like to try to like retire to some kind of an off-grid existence, like yeah. some kind of like self-sustained farm or whatever where I'd be like, anyway, I'm 80, goodbye forever. And like, uh, but like, not, not to my death, but like to uh, the last seven or eight years of my life, just like living on a little like off the grid farm so with like a saying, water. You're drinking, saying drinking directly from a cow. <laughs> exactly. Wait, yeah. so you're it's saying, just saying your ultimate? You're saying just, your ultimate goal is to own land? It's just me, like, yeah, trudging through knee deep snow. It's just <laughs> an old Keith chopping wood, and be like. I need you for one last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I gave that life up, Lawrence. I'm like, you don't understand. I it's the last. I've walked 50 towns over to find you. And yeah, there yeah, you yeah. are. <laughs> no, but I said, like, I, I find that the idea of, like, just fully and disengaging from, like, everything is just <laughs> very, very appealing in old age to be like, and yes, to, I guess to own land. <laughs> To a small enough degree where there'd be, like I said, like a cow and a, like a, I could grow some stuff. Well, I guess my question is more, do you want this to be a place that already pre-exists and you just go there, or is this your own place? No, it's my own place. Okay, so you'd have to own it. I mean, I guess I could join a community of people. A like cult. It, oh, yeah. okay, so you want to start a cult. <laughs> yeah, a cult. Or join a cult. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily need to start it. I could just join an existing yeah, cult. How do we jump to cult? You could have started with a kibbutz. <laughs> like, you could have made this really simple. Okay, maybe I'll do that. <laughs> join a commune. Like as an old person, like Love whatever it. it is. I mean, but that it really is the opposite of <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but that's what I'm saying. Just, I would just love it, and like and to and I mean, I'm not planning on having kids, but like, but just to like like to leave behind no like debt or financial woes to anyone else, and just be like goodbye. No and no financial woes, stricken debt, but a mausoleum well, in your. Memory. Someone's gonna have to bury your body. Made of yeah. marble. Possibly. Yeah. I would like to. If you're uh, a, commu a commune where they bury their members in a mausoleum, I think <laughs> is where. Like, An anonymous mausoleum. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we just somebody. get your wife on board. <laughs> Perfect. Boom. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, this has ran super long. You guys. I yeah, know. Uh, it's fine. Commotion theater every month. Yeah, and then night drive at the end of the month, February 29th. And Monopolis, perhaps until the fall before we close forever. And I mean, but uh, there, is there anything listeners can do to support you guys? I know there was a bunch of petitions and stuff. Just, I, I mean, I, I don't Shop know. Shop at Monopolis that probably is probably the best way. It's not even that, really. It's just like um, anonymously donate thousands of dollars to Monopolis. Just, just don't. Just if you ha know somebody coming into town, invite them at your place for free. Don't don't make them go to an Airbnb. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> 
And if they have to stay at an Airbnb, spend a lot of money at local businesses <laughs> while you're in town. <laughs> sure. <laughs> at least yeah. to offset it a little bit. I think I think things are gonna get bleak. Personally, like uh. it's like I don't. Uh, I mean, we we can cut this part out, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I really think this in. is. I really think if you look, if 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 somebody listens to this podcast eight years from now, uh. like you'll be, it'll be funny to look at what the Myland is. Then I think uh, I think it's going to change a lot. Oh, for it's sure, it's just gonna be an yeah. Airbnb. Like it's gonna be like a playground for French tourists and Americans who want water slides in their apartments. Oh Jesus. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I want, you're you're welcome to have that, but at a price. Is, I want a water slide at my commune situation. That's what I want. Hey, yeah, you want to so join much. my cult? No, no, thank we got a water slide. I oh, I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. Guys, thank you so much. Thank Come you. On. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening. Go plug yourself. As always, a big thank you to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude for providing all of the original music for the show. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that we'd love for you to tell your friends about the show, and honestly, that's all you really need to do. But if you're feeling particularly generous, you can support the show financially and 9to5.cc in general by going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. You can get early access to every episode of Go Plug Yourself and other perks too. Finally, if you or someone you know has a project they'd like to plug on the show, reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook by searching 9to5cc, and we're 9to5cc on Twitter also. If everything works out, you could be the next person to sit down with Walter and I and talk about horror movies or wrestling. And I mean, also the thing that you're trying to plug. 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.